Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gents. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a uh, Tuesday afternoon here in the Peg. Jets back on the practice ice. Well, some of the Winnipeg Jets back on the practice ice. Lots of news coming out of Jets practice and the organization this morning with more players going on the COVID list. And what will be quite an interesting lineup, assuming that this game is played on Thursday, making the way to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Red Wings. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus. Um, You know, yesterday we spent a lot of time talking football coming out of the big weekend in the NFL. Huge signings for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Willie Jefferson joined us. Today we're going to be heavy on hockey. Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period will join us. We'll talk about Evander Kane's prospects for future employment in the National Hockey League, as well as a number of the other big stories in and around the league. We'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets post-practice with our good friend Murat Atesh of The Athletic. We're also going to check in with our pal JP Vijay. And, and Vijay, a perfect guy to talk to today. I mean, we always love talking hockey. I mean, a great mind for the game. Um, we'll ask him about what he's seen from the Winnipeg Jets under Dave Lowry as opposed to under Paul Maurice, but also get his perspective on uh, what it's like to be sort of a bubble player in these COVID times with the potential of going from like number 10 or 11 on the depth chart to in the NHL lineup in the matter of a day or so, depending on who ends up on the COVID list. So all of that is coming up on what should be a really fun show today. Uh, as always, to get things going, a big thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen. F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get Michael Remus in here to uh, get this party started. And uh, Remo, um, I know it's like deja vu and Groundhog Day every day right now with what's happening with the virus. However, I actually am in a very good mood right now. If for no other reason that I just stuck my head outside for a few minutes and it's not minus 30 anymore. It is actually beautiful outside. It feels like shorts weather, to be honest, after being in this deep freeze with all these extreme cold warnings lately. And I'm happy to tell you folks um, that like to hit the river trail, uh, the whole thing is open now. Um, just looking out to, to the Hugo Dock, and uh, we are good to go all the way to the end of the river trail. So uh, you might want to take advantage of some of this nice weather we'll be having over the rest of this week to put the blades on and get outside. Remo, what's good? How are you doing? I'm feeling great. Yeah, minus 11 uh, here in Winnipeg, which is, uh, yeah, that's real nice. Don't even need to wear gloves in that weather. But I'm feeling good. I got a new uh, keyboard on my computer today. I've been using like a mini keyboard for like since we started doing this. And I was like, you know what? I think I need a full size thing. So uh, if you're in the chat, I won't be making as many uh, spelling mistakes, hopefully now, now that I'm all, all set up. So I, I'm actually in a, a pretty good mood, but, you know, it's hard to be... Uh, in a good mood when you, you're planning on watching uh, the Jets game Thursday, we're seeing what the lineup uh, might look like today. And that's kind of what we've been glued to here this morning. Well, I mean, let's get right to it. I mean, there's so much information when it comes to COVID and the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and we're going to see a very different lineup, um, one that could be different tomorrow as opposed to what was today, if they can actually get to this game. Um, 
First things first, four more players going into COVID protocol today. Um, and it is all on the blue line, uh, interestingly enough, and all guys that would be right kind of around that bubble. Logan Stanley, who's been the sixth defenseman all year, he's on the list. Nate Beaulieu, who's been the seventh defenseman all year, he's on the list. And Billy Hainala, who was pretty much the next man up, arguably the eighth guy on the list, he's also on the COVID-19 list. And Christian Reichel, who, of course, made his NHL debut a couple of weeks ago, scored his first NHL goal, he's on the list as well. So you, know, you already had a group that included Jansen Harkins, Nikolai Ehlers, and Dylan DeMello, although we do have some good news from uh, Jansen Harkins. But, I mean, honestly, Remo, I just finished up the lock shop, and, you know, my head's sort of spinning, trying to keep tabs of who's in, who's out, who's on the list, and who might be available for the game on Thursday night against the Red Wings. Yeah, we were talking yesterday how, oh, great. Yeah, let's, we're so pumped to see Billy Hainala in the lineup um, because, you know, Stanley was injured. He wasn't practicing, but, you you know, we were expecting that. But now you have the protocol list come out, and he's in protocols. Those bully you. And so next man up, it sounds like Dylan Samber could make his NHL debut Thursday. But, I mean, the team practiced today with 10 forwards and 5D with Ehlers and those four players out. Um, they did reassign Mikhail Burden to the taxi squad. So you'd think, um, I think Arvid Holm wasn't, he, he with, with the club as well before. Um, so this is, uh, I don't know, they're kind of trying, trying to put together a roster here for Thursday. We'll see how it goes. But it seems like a lot of other teams were in situations like this. And now this is the Jets' turn. And with the, you know, the way things are in the province, you're kind of not surprised that, you know, after there was one yesterday, you kind of figured there was going to be more today. One yesterday being Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, so the way things looked in practice today, Shifley centering Cop and Paul Stastny, Pierre-Luc Dubois centering Kyle Connor and Cole Perfetti, a third line of Lowry, Svech, Svechnikov, and Tony Nato and CJ Cease as the 10th forward. That was it. Uh, and then defense, you've got Morrissey and Schmidt. You've got Dylan and Pionk and Dylan Sandberg. So, I mean, that's not enough to, uh, to uh, ice a team. And I guess what we're understanding, Remo, from uh, head coach Dave Lowry is that Jansen Harkins looks like he should be able to go. Um, but no good news for Dylan DeMello. So if DeMello is still out with the three guys that are put on the list, um, you'd imagine they'll be reaching out again to the Manitoba Moose for another player. It would be great to see Johnny Kovacevic get an opportunity. I would assume that he would be the next guy up, although I know Nelson Noje's played in the past. We've got Ian Gavanka, Declan Chisholm in the mix as well. Um, one good thing is we talked a lot about the depth, especially on the blue line in Manitoba this year for the Jets AHL farm team. It looks like that depth is going to be taxed as much as it has been at any point this season with the three new names on the COVID list today. Yeah, and I, again, you know, one player goes out and makes another opportunity for another player. We'll see how they come in tough situation uh, coming in for anyone making their first NHL game uh, under these circumstances. But hey, you got to you know do play the, the hand you're dealt. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Jets Thursday. I think there was some speculation that, you know, maybe the Jets wouldn't have enough players to ice a roster. I mean, I think as of now, it would be a go. But with, you know, one positive test yesterday, Ehlers, four today, you wonder if there's going to be more tomorrow. And then maybe you get concerned. But 
I mean, the Jets have one game this week. I would think that they're going to do everything they can to try to get this game in. If you can't play your one game, I mean, I think we're, we're in trouble, Huss. Well, guess what? We are. The entire league's in trouble. It's, yeah. been, it's been trouble for the last month. That's why we haven't had any games to talk about for the most part on this program. Uh, now, there is a road trip coming up very soon after this. I mean, the team was supposed to go to Detroit, come back for games at home against the Ottawa Senators and the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday and Sunday. Both of those games are postponed. Ottawa, ironically, was supposed to play the Oilers last night. Last, Yeah, yes, last night. They're now going to be playing the Oilers on Saturday night when the Sens were supposed to be playing the Jets. Uh, I believe that's going to be the second night of the Hockey uh, hockey Night in Canada doubleheader. So, Remo, for you and your spot, that was so disappointed you didn't have a Canadian late game to watch last week. You will have one, but Thank it's you. not going to be the Jets. It'll be the Ottawa Senators and the Edmonton Oilers. And then it's out on the road for four pretty you know, difficult, challenging games out in the East. Not that they all aren't right now. Um, but, you know, the challenge right now is partly on the ice and it's partly off the ice, dealing with the virus right now and a number of new members of the Winnipeg Jets getting in on that list today and um, going to be very fascinating to follow and see what happens over the course of these next day tomorrow. And then, of course, the trip out to um, Little Caesars Arena on Thursday to take on the Detroit Red Wings. But as we'll talk about with J.P. Vijay Reem, uh, you know, with this almost inevitability, uh, it seems like it's happened to pretty much every other team at times, and now it's happening to the Winnipeg Jets. With the inevitability of a number of players being unavailable, um, there's a next man up um, part of this story that is a great opportunity for a number of players that have been dying for a chance to show what they can do at the NHL level. And that uh, sounds like Dylan Sandberg is going to be the next guy up to get that next guy up call. Yeah, um, you know, he started off the season, uh, you know, we had our eye on him, got injured like first day of training camp in a drill, which was so unfortunate. He's made his way back and, you know, he's ready, he's healthy, and we'll take a look at what the guy, uh, you know, part of what, what are the long, I was tr trying to put a list together, Huss, of the Winnipeg Jets, Minnesota Mafia. And I mean, Dylan Sandberg would be on it. I had like, I had to do, you know, we do the trivia, and that was one of my trivia questions. I usually do A, B, C, D. I think for that one, I had to do, we never used this question, but I did like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, maybe H, <laughs> how far you want to go. So, um, you know, pretty cool connection the Jets have with, with Minnesota. But yeah, Dylan Sandberg, former draft pick, uh, or draft pick of the Jets, getting in. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Will they show the lap? I mean, he'll do all that stuff. So, assuming the game's a go, assuming, you know, everyone's healthy, that's what we're uh, moving towards. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, some other news out of Dave Lowry, and we'll try and get the, the coach for you a little later on to uh, just get a little update from the boss's office when it comes to the team. Um, but there has been some good news on Captain Blake Wheeler, and, man, would his return to the lineup be a welcome at sight right now. Captain Blake Wheeler has resumed skating, is getting close to a return in a non-contact jersey with the main group. Uh, this is for Mike McIntyre. Dave Lowry believes that will happen with the club on the road in that Washington, Nashville, Boston, Pittsburgh mm -hmm. road trip. And, um, you know, I just kind of rolled out those teams that the team, that the Jets are going to be playing on the road after a couple more days of practice post-Detroit. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, that's sort of a make-or-break road trip, Reem. I mean, it's crazy because there's so many games that have been postponed. 
but when you don't play, you're off for a long time, and then you come in to take on teams that have been playing and have been playing very well. I mean, Washington has been at the top of the league all year. Nashville's at the top of the Central Division. Boston and Pittsburgh, I don't think I need to explain to people how much talent are on those teams. I mean, what a predicament for the team. Tell you what, they could really use two points tomorrow night against the Detroit Red Wings before they do hit the road on what's a pretty much of a meat grinder of a road trip with four games in six days. It's so funny um, about Blake Wheeler because I remember watching the injury back in December against Vancouver. Like, oh man, this guy's going to be out for a long time. He's going to miss so many games. He was playing so well at that time and that was probably his best game of the year and he got hurt and then he's going to be out for months. Well, how many games have the Jets played since that that game against Vancouver? Against one, what was it like? Sorry, against Vancouver. Let's see, they played like a couple, I think, since. Like three four five um it's crazy How yeah the vancouver game i think the next game was the buffalo game and um, then maurice stepped down before the washington yeah. game they had washington and st louis and then shut it down yeah until Pretty, coming back on the road so and i gotta say we have and since that injury has we've had people every day in chat saying what's up with wheeler when's he when's he coming back and i was like they haven't said anything we're not gonna know until we know so Here's Dave Lowry giving the update that uh, he could be skating in a yellow jersey soon. And, I mean, if there's one positive you can take from all these postponed games is that, um, you know, Wheeler hasn't missed that many because they've all been canceled and, and you'll have him for more games. But as, you know, we go on, it seems like you know other players are missing games, but you have to think that some of these uh, absences are going to be temporary. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll have much more on this. We'll get to it with Murata Tesh coming up a little bit later on in the program. And then we'll also talk a little bit more Jets, um, as well as just the situation for players that are on the bubble or with the moose that might be getting the call up to the big club with JP VJ a little later on. Um, Remo, Dennis Bernstein is going to join us from the fourth period. We'll hit a number of stories in and around the league. And of course, right at the top of the list is the future of one EK9. The artist formerly known as The Natural, Evander Kane. Uh, I think he's been trending on Twitter for the better part of the last three days right now. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and I am I guess I shouldn't be shocked that teams are going to want to take him. I thought it was like no one would want him, I guess, because before he was at $7 million salary. Now that they've terminated his contract, um, you know, you could get him for pretty pretty low price, so... How desperate are you, Huss? I mean, he was he led the team in scoring last year on the Sharks, and they still the team didn't want him back. Um, he Beat basically it. got kicked off the Jets, and that's you know aside from other the other off ice stuff. I mean, some a lot of it's personal, like bankruptcy, and you know the whole uh, what false uh, vax card suspension and not following uh, his quarantine, which is why they're trying to terminate his contract. So. I mean, seems like a headache to deal with. We're kind of seeing this with uh, Antonio Brown. But I think most importantly, his teammates on two teams, and I don't know about, I don't know about Buffalo, but we know San Jose and definitely here. <laughs> did, they didn't want him on the team anymore. So um, Listen, I'm telling you right uh, now, there's not yeah. a lot of people in upstate New York with glowing letters of reference for mm -hmm. Evander Kane. I think we can all, <laughs> we can all pretty yeah. much take that to the bank right now. Hey, you know what? I talked about it quite a bit, actually, with Dustin on the walk shop just now because they're going crazy at Edmonton. I mean, the team stinks right now. They're desperate for something. 
And, you know, just on the surface, for as far as a hockey player goes, I mean, Evander Kane popping into that top six would be a godsend for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and, and honestly, maybe this is the situation. I mean, this is pretty much a last chance for the guy to resuscitate an NHL career. I have no idea. We'll talk more about this with Dennis in a few minutes as to how this is going to play out with the NHLPA canceling the, uh, the, 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 the uh, what did they refer to it? I mean, essentially the annulment of his contract and walking away or not paying him $22 million. This for a guy that owes about that much. I mean, I can't remember what the number was when he was filing for bankruptcy, but his um, liabilities were, if I recall correctly, greater than the value of mm -hmm. his contract with the Sharks. So there's going to be a lot of unhappy creditors uh, with what's happened right now. But when you look at this, I mean, the way it comes to me, and I mean, you tell me if you feel differently, Remus, there's two types of teams that could be in on Evander Kane. One is an absolutely desperate team, and the Oilers are that team right now. I mean, they've been floundering. Um, they, they need a lot of things. I mean, Evander, Evander Kane can't play goal, uh, but I certainly think the offense would get a big pickup. He's got physicality. I mean, just the thought of him maybe playing on a wing like with McDavid or Dreisaitl, that's pretty enticing just from a hockey sense of things. So maybe if you're a real desperate team like Edmonton, you, you pick up the phone. The other one is an established championship quality team with an impenetrable leadership group that can do with or without the guy, like a team like Tampa. And it would be the most Tampa thing ever if they just stumbled on some fool's gold and Evander Kane brought him in on a you know a million dollar deal, paid him half of it for the rest of half of the season, go on and win another cup, and um, you know take part in the uh, Evander reclamation tour. Um, but there's a lot of teams that it just simply doesn't work for. Um, but I will tell you, I mean, this is a story that you know it's at the top of pretty much every insider's podcast or article right now, Reem. Yep. And uh, you know he's always been a guy that's gotten a lot of attention and a lot of news. Um, but there's a reason why people, and in all other markets, I mean, this isn't really, normally it was a thing Winnipeg was sort of obsessed with Evander after he left. I mean, this is the entire hockey world looking to see how it's going to play out, even if they uh, don't really have any skin in the game or don't think their team might take a shot at him. Yeah, I mean, he led the Sharks in points. He's 30-goal scorer. I mean, this is a very good player, but, I mean, his teammates don't like him. He's got a lot of off-ice problems, and I think we're pretty... We're pretty sick of talking about this guy here in Winnipeg. But as you mentioned, I scrolled through, you know, I follow a lot of hockey podcasts. We were talking before I scrolled through like four or five of them. He's the number one topic on every single one of them. So uh, he came up today in Ken Holland's address to the media, which I found interesting. The Oilers uh, have kicked the tires on him and we'll see where this guy lands. I mean, it was, we thought he was for sure never playing in the NHL again, but when, you know, you can pay him a million dollars to play for you. I think the idea becomes more attractive when he can score 30 goals. Yeah, no, as you said, we'll get to that in just a second with Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Uh, as we do that, I uh, want to recognize the great support we're getting from our friends over at F Apparel. Andrew Parks and the gang uh, are ready for 2022, and you should be too. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great, even in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, we're fingers crossed we'll be getting together with some of those nice events, graduations, weddings, and whatnot going forward. And um, F has the most amazing custom-fitted and made suits 
starting at just $400. Um, you know, if you do have a big event coming up and you need to look great, talk to the guys at F Apparel. Check them out online at fephapparel.com or pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street. Um, they have always been for a long time the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. And if you're getting married this year, your wedding party will get a 15% off discount when the group buys the suits from us. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown or make an appointment at fapparel.com. Um, January's here, and a lot of people are trying to get into a little bit more of a healthy lifestyle, and uh, a great place to start for that is a trip to one of the seven Vita Health Fresh markets in Winnipeg. Um, thinking about a sober January? Well, why not get through it with some non-alcoholic beer? Great stuff from Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers, or Sobrew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals, and clever mocktails. And if you're thinking about maybe dipping your toes into trying a vegan diet, Vita Health also the place for you. Um, so many plant-based vegan uh, products available, including Tofurky, Field Roast, Gardein, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life Beyond Meat, and more. And you can enjoy or join the exclusive Vita VIP list by texting Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970 to receive special offers all year long. Subscribe until March 31st and you'll be entered to win a $100 Vita, gear, uh, Vita Health gift card. That number again, 1-877-630-1970. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And while we're um, you know living a little bit better in 2022, it all starts by being hydrated and keeping up your water intake. And uh, of course, when it comes to water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the stewards over at Culligan Water, family owned for over 65 years, have been the water experts in our community and continue to be. Whether you need water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, Culligan has you covered. And for your business, whether it's a commercial or industrial water products and solutions, they've got you covered as well. Find out more on everything Culligan and the Culligan man can do for you at drinkculligan.com. Visit them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or hit them up. Give them a call 204-694-5180 and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, let's get back to the puck talk. Murata Tesh of the Athletic coming up a little later on. We'll focus in on the Jets, uh, but there's lots going on around the National Hockey League right now. and few individuals we enjoy chopping it up with more than Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Dennis, what's going on? Great to have you back on the program in 2022. What's up? I always love talking with you, Hustler. But first, I'm not a big Facebook. Me neither. My Facebook, my Facebook feed tells me it's somebody's birthday tomorrow on this crew. It's not you, but I Ooh. think it's I think it's Rem's birthday tomorrow. So uh. I want to wish him a happy birthday. Wow, breaking news. Oh, breaking no. news. I've been outed. <laughs> All right, people in chat, you heard it. Tomorrow's Remo's birthday. Think about some good things to do for the program. Oh, no. You can hit me up on Twitter for that. Yeah, Remo's going to be Dennis. 75. I just lost a friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you still got those boyish good looks. Um, it, Dennis, I, I got to yeah. ask you first off. I mean, you know, we're here in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. um you know the team has hardly played over the course of the last three weeks one game on thursday 
and then a few more days off and then a big road trip next week. And yet, um, you know, now we're seeing Nikolai Ehlers on the list yesterday. Four more players put on the COVID list today. Um, you know, I know you've been following this league wide and it's happened yeah. to almost all teams at particular times in the year. And now it sort of seems like it's the Jets turn. I mean, where are things at with the NHL dealing with all of these postponed games? And uh, how is it? I mean, what are the chances they get this 82 game schedule in as planned? Or are they already looking at a contingency plan that might have regular season games well past when the season was supposed yeah. to be finished? I, th I think that's it. You can't have both at this point, Hustler. I think we're getting, we're running out of runway here, right? So I think in the next two weeks, if you're going to continue to have postponements, then maybe, maybe we won't because I think Omicron is a situation where it's going to burn through very, very quickly. The hospitalization aren't to the level of Delta, but at some point, you can't finish the end of April with all these postponements. You just can't do it. It's just not enough building availability. Uh, you can't ask play teams to play six games in seven nights. So, yeah, they will have to move, and they don't want to, but if you're looking at hockey-related revenue, and that's why you're postponing the games because you want people in buildings in Canada, then what do you do? The only solve here would to be, if you're going 82, is to extend the season, which they don't want to do. But I think we're at a point of critical mass. We're at a tipping point here, Hustle. I think by the time we get to the end of January, if this doesn't – if we're at the same stats we are now with respect to COVID list and postponements – I think you're looking at an extended season to finish 82 and have a Stanley Cup playoff. Dennis, you know, a popular refrain on social media is like, you know what, whatever, just play the games with no fans. The owners are rich. They can afford the money. And I think what's lost is something that you just mentioned uh, is that, you know, it's important to the players too with the HRR, which is split. Yeah. I mean, uh, from the people you're talking to in the PA, um, you know, how, how concerned are they right now with the lost revenues considering what they've been through over the past two years? Yeah, well, they have to make up the difference on the escrow, right? So they, if they want the projections on escrow, they were, they were going to come down and come down to 10%, 8%, 6%. Not in this atmosphere. And it's not only that, it's how about the people in the buildings that work there that depend on this money, this extra supplemental income you know, to, to, to support their families. Like, that's my concern. It's like when I go to Stable Center, crypto.com arena, excuse me, they changed it in December. Um, I concern myself with those people as well. So it's not just, it's a trickle down effect. It's a domino effect. So yeah, of course they're concerned because the one thing players hate more than anything is escrow. They can't stand it. And this was when they cut the CBA, they saw a path towards less escrow. And now that's, this is a big impediment to getting to that point. So to me, yeah, of course they want to play the games. And of course they want to play them in front of Phil buildings or somewhat capacity, not a thousand people, not a hundred people. You got to get to at least 50%, maybe more. And without that, then the players are still going to be in that financial hole with respect to escrow. So yeah, it's a concern on the PA side as well. It's not a hustle. There's no simpler solve here. It, it, there's nothing simple here. It, it's a very complicated, complex issue that we've never had to deal with in our lives. Well, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, last week, a big story here towards the end of the week was, um, you know, jet season ticket holders, of which I am one, got an email of yeah. some questions from the organization saying, hey, would you feel comfortable going back in 100% uh, capacity? Would you feel comfortable going back at 50% capacity? And a mm -hmm. couple other questions about mass and stuff. And then the kicker at the end was, you know, if our regulations don't change for the foreseeable future, how would you feel about games being played in another jurisdiction? And that jurisdiction, of course, is Saskatchewan, whereas of right now, there are no 
building restrictions, unlike the rest of Western Canada and pretty much the entire country. And, you know, a lot of people reacted negatively. Some people saying, hey, you know, whatever, it's not the right thing to do. Um, others reacted negatively because they said, well, how the heck are they not doing, like, how are they able to do that in Saskatoon and not doing sure. here? And frankly, it just shows how polarized everyone is, but also just how um, numb, I think, to, you know, where we're at right now. And a big part of this is just getting through, especially the winter here in Canada, Dennis, yes. as you well know. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's been minus 30 it's for the last brutal. couple of weeks here. I mean, uh, we've actually got some nice weather today, but we've basically been in these extreme cold warnings. And, you know, having the release, just something to pay attention to, something to care about, something to follow. Um, you know, certainly last year was a big, big thing for so many people. And, you know, these have been some real lean weeks without games going on. So, I mean, hopefully they'll be able to get playing again um, one way or the other. But, I mean, there's there's real economic concerns. And, I mean, as much as I know some people would just like the richest guys in the world to fork out all this money, um, the games suck without fans too. I mean, that's the oh, other thing. Totally. The product, the product's worse. And this is a for-profit business. This is not amateur. He, like so, so don't tell me that they should just keep writing checks and empty buildings and the like. And the other challenge is, Huffler, if you go to the Florida Panthers game, if you go to their website at Florida Live and you look at their pro COVID protocol, what you know what they tell you? You assume risk if you want to walk in the building. Right? There's no ask for vaccination, proof of vaccination. They recommend you wear a mask. Stipulations are very, very different in Florida than they are in LA. Uh, same thing in. in um, in Nashville, you don't have, there's no proof of vaccination. So, and to me, I want to treat people like adults. And there is some risk. No, I don't know what's happened over the last two years, Hustler, but we want absolutely no risk in our lives. And it just doesn't work like that. Like, I'm fully vaccinated. I got a booster. I go to the Kings games. I'm not double masked. I'm, I'm over 60. I, I'm probably more at risk than other people. I'm not afraid of this virus. I've done all the necessary steps. I'm in good shape. So to me, I'm happy to go to games. And there, are, you know, the other night against uh, Detroit, it was a Saturday night. Detroit isn't a great team. They, they, they announced, and it looked like 17,000 people at, at, at Crypto.com Arena. I went to the Rams game, which I'm still taking on the chin for because I, I really can't stand the 49ers. But there were 70,000 people in that building. And I will tell you, yeah, you got to wear a mask, and yeah, you got to shoot proof of vaccination. But I'm telling you, there are people in the stands that aren't wearing masks once they get in there. And there's no super spreader event. So, and I know some people get really annoyed at my takes and stuff like that. I want to take with people. I want to treat people like adults. And if you want to take risk, and if you're if you're scared and you don't want to go to a Winnipeg Jack game, then I'm all for you staying home. I have no problem with that. But what about the people that have done everything the government and this is the U.S. and the Canada has asked you to do? Everything they've asked me to do. I stayed home for months. I got vaccinated. And now it's still not good enough. Well, where does this end, Hustler? To me, what's the end game here? That's my biggest concern. At some point, we have to go back to normal. I think we're very close. Look, I'm at that point. I will go to every game. I go to every Kings practice. I adhere to the rules. But at some point, we have to move on from this and get back to our normal lives. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of people that share that opinion. And, and I can tell you just from the feedback to the Jet season ticket holder survey, I know things are different here in Canada than they are in the United States sure. in different places. But I mean, from what we gathered, um, you know, like 50% of people were fine to get on to going to the games. And, um, you know, and listen, it's, it's, it just sucks what we're going through right now. We hopefully totally. able to get some butts in seats and uh, make things happen. Yeah.
Um, let's move on to the biggest story right now in the National Hockey League, and that is the future of our old friend Evander, <laughs> Evander Kane. Well, first off, before where he's going, what do we know about why and how the Sharks were able to terminate his contract? And from what you're hearing, what's the challenge from the NHLPA on the validity of it as to whether Evander's going to get his $22 million or not? And what does that mean for the Sharks' salary cap, Dennis? Well, I just, the way I understood it is that he went to Canada um, and didn't come back on time when he was supposed to report back. And that's termination for, and that's grounds for termination. I don't know if the PA is going to, I don't know how the PA is going to defend this, but they have to, right? They have to support their membership. So I totally get it. I have no problem with it going to an arbitrator because you know that's where it's going to wind up anyway. So with respect to the salary cap, I assume, unless depending on the ruling, Hustler, maybe there's a partial payment here or whatever, like with Mike Richards, remember there was some, there were some, the Kings did take a cap hit when they terminated his contract. Probably come to some agreement on that. He might get a little bit of money and he needs it from his gambling debts. So for me, he's probably going to get a little bit of money. That's what my guess would be. And there might be some, like maybe a $1 or $2 million cap hit, maybe spread over a couple of years. If he does, if the arbitrator does rule, he's, he's do some money. But for me, it's, I don't see it. This is a guy, and here's my take on this hustler. Yeah, the first question was, I assume there's always going to be a GM or GMs that are going to say, okay, I can fix this. I have a strong organization. But people have not talked about this. Where is he coming from? San Jose, a small market with not a lot of media, with one of the most stable ownerships and management in the NHL, if not in sports. And he couldn't toe the line. Like, to me, that's my biggest concern. Like, it should be easy to play in San Jose and hear to the rules. Plus, it's not a controversial room. You got guys like Logan Couture and Brett Burns, good guys. Like, he was set up to win there. And why this all happened, to me, I wouldn't touch the guy. I, I really wouldn't. But I think, like, Tampa Bay, they have a championship game. If, if he got out of line, Pat Maroon would hit him over the head. So I, I get the, those takes. But to me, coming out of the most stable environment, if if not one of the most stable environments in San Jose, and you couldn't you, you couldn't get along there and you couldn't adhere to the rules, to me, that's the most troublesome part of Evander Kane. Well, not about not only that. I mean, when you look back to his history in uh, in San Jose, and this came out with the bankruptcy filings, but I mean, yeah. for a while, the Sharks as an organization were co-signing things for him. I mean, I don't know if they could have done anything more as an organization no. to make it work. And yet we are still here. As far as the termination goes, Dennis, though, just before we get to where he might end up, um, I, I guess, I mean, they'd been through a lot. I mean, they told him to leave. They you know, got mm -hmm. off a quarter of the salary because of the suspension for the fake vaccination right. card and all that. Um, it did sort of seem like he was walking on eggshells and any false move was going to right. trigger this. Um, is that the way you saw it? Like they were ready to try and go down this road at the soonest opportunity. And uh, Evander ended up giving his opportunity with that trip to Vancouver. Yeah, it was a tipping point. That, that's what happened. So I, I have no problem with a fake vaccination card. Just go get vaccinated like everybody else, except for Tyler Bertuzzi in the league and just go get it done. To me, it's just, it, it, it was an opportunity to break rules. And he did it like he can't. He's his own worst enemy without question. Look at all the look at the history. And so, yeah, I think that he's gotten more than one chance. He's got an opportunity to play for a lot of money in San Jose with like a great owner with a gym who's been there forever. 
in a really good environment, and he just couldn't do it. So to me, I just think this was the the last straw for San Jose, and they had, I'm sure when they make the case, Hustler, I'm sure the dossier on Evander Kane, there might even be more disclosures that we don't know about. So I think that you take this step right, on a team that's trying to make the playoffs and needs a scoring, and this guy is talented. Like when you go on a terminated contract, you know, you got lawyers on your side too that's saying, okay, here's what we have. They're getting, okay, you have the grounds to terminate. So I, I think that the Sharks will be successful. There may have to be some sort of negotiation, but they just don't do this thing on a woman. I, I just, what I know of that organization, this has to be a drastic measure to go there uh, for the San Jose Sharks and Platner and uh, Doug Wilson. Hey, when when this sort of thing happens, because, I mean, it's very rare, first and foremost, and um, it is surely to get challenged. Does the team do this on its own? Or they do they do it in conjunction with the National Hockey League and having the league themselves know full well the details of the situation and sort of support the team? Do they give the green light on that, or is this strictly in the hands of the organization? Uh, you don't think the Shield knows everything that's going on, Hustler? Come on. <laughs> I do, of but I just do. wanted to get that Bill, out there. You think Bill and Gary knew about this book beforehand? Of course, they, they've got to clear they, They've got to at least give a heads up. Right? I, I think that these teams do operate around the 32 separate franchises, but it, it's in coordination with the league, with the league attorneys, because they, they know that an arbitration here is going to come. So with respect to that, yeah, I, I'm sure the NHL was well aware of what was going on. And plus, how do you not think this is going to be a, an eventuality anywhere, a possibility as well? But I'm sure the league office knew about this before it was actually done. Now, you know, we've heard a lot about all these teams kicking tires on Evander Kane. I mean, I'm always skeptical when I hear something like that, especially with this toxic a guy as Kane. Um, you know, more often than not, uh, sometimes these insiders get somewhat played by the agents who are specifically putting things out there to sort of generate and create some buzz. Uh, to me, there's two sorts of teams that might be in on Evander Kane. One, absolutely desperate teams like the Edmonton Oilers right now with where things are going, and Ken Holland spoke to that today. And then the other are teams with the championship pedigree, um, unassailable leadership groups that are right. fine with or without him. You mentioned the team Tampa. To me, it would be the most Tampa thing ever just to sort of stumble <laughs> upon a player of Evander Kane's talent, throw him in the lineup and go win again. Um, but from what you're hearing, I mean, what are what are what teams are legitimately considering dipping their toes into the waters that include Evander Kane right now, Dennis? I, I'll be honest with you. I, I see the list of teams. Like, does Tampa Bay really need Evander Kane? I don't know. They've been doing no. okay without him. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're, they're fine. This guy Kucherov just came back, and Point just came back, and, and they don't need him. Corey Perry's got ten goals down there. What do you need Evander Kane for? Like, why are you going to take that risk? So Edmonton, I guess because that team is so desperate right now and it's come so far off the tracks that you can throw that in there. But to me, I, who's he going to play with? Is he going to play in the top six? Custer, I, I, I get it. Like, and maybe the agent said 10, 8, 10, 12 teams. I I really don't see it. Like, the most the, the most Evander Kane thing would be, and I'm saying this jokingly, imagine Evander Kane playing in Vegas. That, to me, that would be the all-time <laughs> ultimate. Like, that would be it, right? That would be it. That, that, would, be, that would be the logical place for Van Kane to play in Vegas. But I, I don't – look, you're going to take a risk. It, it's going to – my first question coming out of the box was, is he going to play for a million dollars a year? Because he needs a lot more money than that. Um, but he's apparently wanting to do that. I, I don't see the fit. a team that needs some scoring on the bot, like the middle six, put them in there. But 
and Nashville, maybe? I, I don't know. Because, it's first of all, it can't be a big market. It can't be Toronto. Like, right? With that mean, so it's got to be a small market, American team. Maybe it's St. Louis. Maybe in Nashville. Um, but to me, well, if I'm a GM, like, that's your best option and that's your only option out there. Not for me. I'm sorry. It, it's just not. It's just, it's just too much risk. There's too much baggage. To me, there's got to be better options, even at that price, Hustler, from me, that's a contending team because there's just too much risk attached. Yeah, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Of course, we'll continue to follow the Evander King. Just quickly on Edmonton. I mean, Ken Holland spoke mm-hmm. today. They're moving ahead with Smith and Koskinen. He said, don't expect any big moves. Uh, he was asked about Kane and said he does believe in second chances. I'm not sure whether he got the number right on number of chances that <laughs> Evander's had. But, um, I mean, you've been following this team, especially there in the Pacific yeah. Division. I mean, from where you're sitting, what the hell has happened to Edmonton? I mean, was this a mirage of what they did in the first two months? Or how has the bottom fell out? And yeah. it can't all be substandard goaltending, can it? Well, it, it, not all of it, no. There's two questions. At game one, Hustler, two questions. Goaltending and depth. Now we're at game 36. Guess what the two questions are? Goaltending and depth. Now, one, you can fix right away with a trade, and that's goaltending. But Kenny says he's committed to these two goaltenders. Do you believe him? I absolutely do not believe him. You can't watch these two guys play and say you believe in these guys. What you can't fix today is the depth. That's going to take two or three people. He's not going to assemble Tampa's third line for the postseason. And when you execute and you start the season at 41% on your power play, and you think that's sustainable and that's the reason you're winning games, it's as simple as that. Here's the question, though, Hostler. Leon and Connor have been in the league for six, seven years, and that's your base, and you still can't build from it? Like, you can't build a champion, not even a championship team, a legit contending team that can win three rounds. You can't build it, like, with two different GMs who have been in this league. To me, that's 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 the mistake here. So, to me, yeah, they could trade for – and they're not going to trade because they're on a roll and the Kings are competing with them right now. But a guy like Jonathan Quick or Marc-Andre Fleury, you could fix that tomorrow. I, I don't believe Kenny. I really don't. And you hear the chatter. They are looking for a goaltender. He goes out in the media and good. I get it. He's supporting his team. He's supporting his coach. But if they play the next 10 at 2, 6, and 2, and the goaltending stinks, you got to change the goaltender. You probably have to change the coach because it's, it's not getting through. Now, I admire Leon Dreisaitl because we're not quitters. We're not quitting. Nobody's quitting this room. Good for Leon standing up and saying that. But to me, it's the same questions. This is a flawed team with two great in, individual players. It's not how you won in this league. They got up fast because the competition wasn't great. Their power play was great, but that's not sustainable. They're now at 31%. It's still lead the league, and they're playing poorly. But when you watch those goals go on the back of the net from Costin and Smith, I'm sorry, you need another goaltender. I think Kenny's kidding himself. I think he's kidding the media by saying he doesn't need a goaltender. Yeah, no, I mean, they absolutely do. I think everyone realizes that. But there was also some truth in what Miko Koskinen said after he had the bus run over him by Tippett. Um, is that, you know, his team scored seven goals in his last six losses. So uh, the law of average is sort of coming back to bite the Edmonton yeah, Oilers one right thing on that, One thing on that, though. There are, there are stages in games where you need to make a big save in a big spot that can turn the momentum, and he hadn't done that. So if you make a, if you make a bad play or you don't make that big save, maybe from that it's a platform and your team does score more goals. So I'm not letting that guy off the hook. Well, the time – 
Yeah. yeah, the time, Dennis, to make that save is at the start of the game. They've been giving up the right. first goal, like sometimes in the yeah. first two or three minutes. And, yeah. you know, when you're already up against it and fighting it and squeezing the stick, and that happens over and over again, it can be yes. incredibly demoralizing. Hey, speaking of goaltending, Remus just threw up on the screen. The Boston Bruins have signed Tuka Rask to a $1 million deal. Um, what do you make of that? How does he fit in on a club that, uh, you know, right now, as we go into, uh, you know, the action tonight, um, you know, basically the eighth seed right now in the East in a wild card spot. And that's not a place we're used to seeing the Boston Bruins be in. Well, also now they can trade him to Edmonton for a first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the deal. They have it out because Jeremy Swayman is exempt from waivers. So Tuka is the real deal. He comes back and plays and he's the guy that they all think that he is. They can move Swayman down and keep Olmark there. But here's the thing. Like, they don't need a goaltender. Like the, the missing guy they need on that team is David Krejci. Because unless Eric Holler is going to become Chandler Stevenson, like this team, you mentioned they're eighth. They might move a little bit. Pittsburgh's on a huge run here. Maybe they fall back. But you look at Boston, and they looked great last night against Washington. But when I see this team, what do I see? The same thing. A one-line team that's going to get knocked out in the first round because they have no depth. So that's, to me, it's great. It's a great story if Tuka comes back and he helps the effort. It's not what they – they miss David Krejci so much. Don't think Eric Hall is the guy. Charlie Cole, they tried a 2C. He's really a 3C. That's the missing link. If they can go trade for a 2C in the postseason, I might give them a puncher's chance to win the first round. But if they're going to be the 8th seed, who are they going to play in the first round? Tampa, Carolina. They're not beating any two of those teams. So you're going to have to look at the end of the season if you're Don Sweeney and do some soul searching and say, is this mix of players? What do I do with this team? Because I don't consider them a threat to win the cup at this point, even with their great game last night against Washington. Winnipeg Sports talking conversation with Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Follow him on Twitter at Dennis TFP. Uh, hey, just quickly before we go down in SoCal, I mean, uh, pretty exciting seasons or starts to the seasons for both the Kings and the Ducks. I mean, looking at what the Ducks are, uh, what, four points ahead of the Kings. The Kings have two games in hand. They're both in a playoff spot mm -hmm. right now. Who's been a more impressive to you, and which of these two teams is more likely to be able to hold on to that playoff spot at the end of 82? Well, early on, um, the Ducks were impressed. And also, not for nothing, we're halfway through the season. This is not a good start. These are legit teams that get, have a puncher's chance to make the playoffs. Because you look at Edmonton, Calgary has all these games to make up. I'm not sure about them. Um, Anaheim's been the more entertaining team, without question. Without question, they've been more entertaining. With Trevor, if I told you Trevor Zegers and Tony Milano were going to be a thing to bend in the season, you'd, you'd, you'd pull my Riders Association card, right? That, that wasn't going to happen, right? So it's just, it's been great. They've got a lot of production from their blue line. And the Kings, if you watch the Kings the last three games against Nashville um, and against the Rangers last night and against Detroit, they were dominant punk position. When this team checks, they got a chance against anybody. They're eight, three, and one in the last twelve. I, I thought they were a 90, 92 point team, but right now the way they're playing, if they play this type of, of, of hockey defensively, and now Peterson last night played well again and Quick's been great, they got a shot at the three seat. They do now. They have to add on the blue line. That's the challenge. That's the issue. They've scored seven goals in 36 games from their blue line, three goals in 36 games at even strength. It's just not good enough. But Todd McClellan's done a great job here in L.A. I'll give you their left side defense last night. Okay, Olimata, top pair. Mikey Anderson and Toby Bjornfoot. Olimata, a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old. 
to these donkeys out there that are saying that Tom McClellan should be fired. He's not a good coach. He's done an exceptional job. This team is trending 20-point pro-rated, 20-point improvement over last season. So they're a dangerous team when they play defense, and they've played defense. If you look who they've played over the stretch, they've played some really good teams. So I like them actually a little bit better because of the tandem and net, and I just I watch them more. But could the Ducks make it? Absolutely. This is not a good start for Anaheim. This is a team that that has found offense, that's been galvanized by Trevor Zegers, and they have it as I, I'd probably say 50-50 chance like the Kings do to make the postseason at this point. Uh, Troy Terry. Uh, he's got 22 goals right now. He's point a game yeah. or with 36 and 37 so far this season. He's got to be one of the best stories anywhere in the league this year. Yeah. Oh, look, and it's about patience. And remember, this is a kid, 2015 fifth round choice. Like, so sometimes pay, patient pays off, but he's no different than, or maybe he's a little bit different than uh, Adrian Kempe, who he, now he's in the sixth year of the season. He's trending 30 goals. S- some things are unexplainable, Hustler. Like, I could I could tell you Troy Terry, but in the same breath, I can tell you Andrew Majinapani, Evan Bleepin Rodriguez in Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, there are guys who are, are merging. Adrian Kempe, you know, 16 goals. He's matched his high for goal scoring this year, first season last night. So I think he's going to break it. He's got 30, he's got 56 games or whatever to break his goal scoring mark. So to me, some guys just emerge. I don't think, look, you could say Max Comtois, you could say Zegris. They have high picks, but Troy Terry was a guy, maybe they could merge. There was some talent there, but a fifth round pick. In 2015, you didn't really expect it, but it's be, again. I think it's just the presence of Zegers. This is a team that is different. They're more aggressive out there. They're more confident out there. And Dallas Eakins has trusted these younger players, and they've produced for him halfway through the season. Dennis Bernstein with us. Dennis, before we go, uh, if uh, if I gave you a nickel to go down to the sports book and uh, throw on a cup winner, um, where are you going right now? I mean, is it Tampa's to lose? Um, or has another team sort of emerged? I'll tell you what, I, we saw the Avalanche take out the Jets yeah. last Thursday and then do what they did in that comeback against the Leafs. Pretty hard not to uh, look at what's going on in Colorado. Um, uh, yeah. who, gets you, who gets your mm-hmm. number one ranking on the Dennis TFP power poll? All right, well, if I'm playing a little bit of a long shot, look, I get Colorado, but I'm not sure about the RC Kemper, although he's been great lately. Tampa, yeah, like, who's going to beat Vassy in four games? That's the other question. But the team I like, and I just need a little bit better goaltending. I, I just love the Panthers. So on a price, a betting a price, I just love them. Here's my challenge with the Panthers, Osler. Um, In the regular season, they can outscore the mistakes Bob makes in that. I'm not sure they can do that in the postseason. Bob has to be that. And maybe not 940, maybe not consmite the winner type of goaltending. He's got to be 915, 920. Make the, like I mentioned, big saves in a big spot. I really like them. They, they have a hate for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you can see when they played preseason games, they were going at it. So I just think there's so much talent there and so much emergence. A kid like Anton Lundell's emerging. I think top to bottom, they have a complete team. So to me, that would be the team for me that if I bet at a price, I want that. Who I would think we're in right now, I think it's a three-peat, to be honest with you. I, unless, unless there's some injury issues with Tampa, I just think they have so much confidence. They have the goalie. They still have the defenseman and headman. I just love what they have to offer, and um, and they're motivated as well. They, they haven't taken a step backwards. No doubt about it. Dennis, great conversation, and thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Phil, people, and what do you guys uh, have uh, going on over at the fourth period these days? Oh, well, uh, I'm co-hosting once a week with Steve Coolius on the SiriusXM Channel 91. We have our hot stove show from, I guess, what, 9 to 11 Central on uh, 
on uh, 91 as well. And then obviously for trade talk, trade speculation, you come to our site, follow me on Twitter at Dennis TFP and Dave Pagliona at the fourth period. Hey, say hi to Dave. Thanks for doing this, pal. We'll uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Always a pleasure. Hustle. Thanks for the time. I'm going to pick sports talk. <laughs> Beautiful. There it is. Dennis Bernstein at Dennis TFP. Great conversation. We'll kind of go away from the entire league, focus in on the Jets. Coming up in just a second with Murata Tesh. Uh, do want to give a big shout out to Manitoba Battery for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. A little bit of a warm up is here, and thank God for it. Uh, but there's been many a stalled car in and around the city and province over the last little while. And the best way to take care of that is make sure you have a great battery. And you want a battery at the best price in town? You go see Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. 89.50 with Core Exchange, best price in town. Don't waste your time with the lineups, the parking lot of those big box stores like Costco. Shop local, pop down to Logan Avenue at 1026 and uh, get the best price in town on it. Or, of course, they can also get it out to you with delivery service anywhere in Winnipeg if the car is not running. Uh, 783-8787 is Manitoba Battery. Find out more online at manitobabattery.com because as much as the business is mainly automotive batteries right now, certainly they've got all sorts of options for your sled or skidoo. And as we get into warmer weather, all the fun stuff that you might need batteries for, we'll be getting back at it, boats and whatnot. Um, So if you need a battery, Manitoba Battery, manitobabattery.com. Uh, our friends at Royal Sports are ready for NFL playoffs. We've got the Super Wild Card Weekend coming up. If you uh, maybe need to add to the collection of something fun to wear to re- represent and support your favorite team, you know where to go, 750 Pemina Highway. And while you're there, check out all the Blue Bombers Championship gear, the incredible selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, not to mention Winnipeg's biggest selection of all things hockey, as they have been the hockey superstore family-owned for over 35 years in Winnipeg. Not to mention incredible snowboard gear and tons of cool stuff over on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. Find out more in person, 750 Pembina Highway at Royal Sports, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for all the latest merchandise drops and great deals. Um, and our friends at Not Auto Corp are rolling into 2022 if you're thinking about a new vehicle in the new year start your search with the experts at not dozens and dozens of incredible vehicles on the lot not to mention if there's something that you're looking for in particular they'll help source it find it and get it for you over at not auto corp why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the not team do it for 2022 and of course check out all the interesting things happening over at the winnipeg car lab which is open now as well over at not with tinting striping custom wraps rims and so much more not.ca online waverly and mcgillivray for our friends over at not auto corp all right let's get back to the jets and welcome in our good friend Marat Atesh. So much going on around the hockey club. And a very interesting piece he's got up at The Athletic. If you haven't checked it out already, certainly make a point of doing that after you listen to our next conversation. Marat, what's going on? How are you? 
I'm doing well. I got my sports talk hat on. I've been tuned into the stream for the last hour. I'm having a very good afternoon. How about you guys? Excellent. Well, I'm in a good, I'm in good spirits. Um, just the fact that it's not minus 30 out. It's amazing what that does to the mental health of uh, the ability to go onto the deck for a couple minutes and not race back in and uh, curse yourself for uh, where you've decided to live through the winter. Uh, it's beautiful outside. I just noticed the full river trails open all the way up till Hugo right now. So uh, hopefully it'll be a few good days for people to get outside. Of course, people, especially jet fans have needed to occupy themselves in many ways lately because there just simply hasn't been very many hockey games right now. And a lot of that was because of rules and restrictions, Marat, now it seems like for the first time we're getting into that dicey territory of uh, wondering whether games are going to be played because of how many players are available for the Winnipeg Jets. We sort of touched on it off the top, but I know a lot of people have come here later. Let's get right to it with a bit of an update on who's good to go, who's practicing right now, and who is on the dreaded COVID-19 list for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, yeah, practice was rather understaffed today. I mean, you had a line of Kopp, Shifley, and Stastny, followed by Connor Dubois and Perfetti, Toninato, Larry, and Sveshnikov, and CJ Cease on the fourth line, which means Christian Veselainen, still day-to-day, Johnson Harkins, freshly off protocol, meant to meet the Jets in Michigan in time to play in Detroit. Um, lots of folks added to the protocol. Nick Ehlers yesterday. I mean, Arvid Holm was already on it. Um, what's the complete list, even? They're at a risk right now of if Veselainen comes back and with Harkins back, of running just 12 forwards and 6D with Dylan Sandberg making his NHL debut because a bunch of defensemen are on, Logan Stanley, Ville Hanel, and I believe uh, Nathan Dylan DeBello, pardon me, on the on the um, COVID list. And then if things bounce just wrong and Dylan DeMello isn't able to come off the protocol and play, you might get the double debut of Dylan Sandberg and Johnny Kovacevic on that third pairing as well. I think that based on what we know today, it seems as though playing that game is a likelihood, but Michael Remus makes a good point. Happy birthday tomorrow, by the way, bud. Um, I heard a rumor there. He makes a good point that if you go from one person put on the protocol yesterday to a handful today, what are we looking at tomorrow? And then that's where the real risk gets into things about possibly this game that we've been looking forward to for a week not being able to be on the schedule. Um, did uh, I mean, I know coach spoke afterwards and we're going to try and have it later on, but um, you know, is it sort of pins and needles right now when I'm um, thinking about what could come tomorrow? We went from one with Ehlers to four today. Uh, we know how this works and it doesn't usually go the other way until, well, certainly with a lot of teams, we've seen it run through the entire club. Just ask the Calgary flames who were sort of first to the table with having, you know, their games wiped out for a number of weeks. Yeah, to hear Dave Lowry talk, I got a sense more of a stoicism, of a calm acceptance that, you know, at some point this was going to happen to every NHL team. He was grateful that it hadn't quite come Winnipeg's way up until now. But at this stage, he's accepted the reality that it's going to happen. It is happening. And there's sort of this next man up mentality being developed. I mean, that's a hockey cliche, but at a time like this, I mean, what could be more apt? Um so there is that sense. You wouldn't hear Dave Lowry's tone, like get into fear or nervousness or anything like this. He's preparing for Thursday's game under the assumption that it's going to be played and whether Veselainen is able to come back, Harkin slots into the, that lineup, whatever that defense ends up being. I mean, he's hoping to have that game to play. It's 
It's getting interesting, though, because we're getting so many games pushed back. And, you know, Winnipeg basically only committed to the road section of its schedule here in January right now. Um, And there's a a thought that maybe February is not going to be enough racetrack to fit all those games in. Winnipeg has so many games left on its schedule at this stage. It's tough to project a playoff race exactly based on all of this. So, you know, as much as they're in a good spot with this game being a little questionable, yes, but their next games aren't scheduled until another week than the, the road trip that follows. So there's a little bit of a cushion there. The big picture is getting a little bit dicey as well. Well, I mean, I don't think it could be any more dicey right now. I mean, around the entire national hockey, well, at least amongst Canadian teams, because and as we all know, um, you know, the American teams are basically playing with a very different set of rules right now and are getting their games in. And I mean, luckily they are because at least we've got some games to watch at some point, even though they're on the road. Um, but from a Jets perspective, um, I mean, like February's coming up pretty soon. Um, you know, this Olympic break is just around the corner when it was supposed to happen. I mean, um, do you have any ideas to when we might get some sort of clarity from the National Hockey League and the teams as to um, at least maybe a partial schedule for what will happen in February? And is that still dependent on on our health restrictions here, or at some point they just have to say, you know, unfortunately for all parties involved, we got to play these games and you got to do it with uh, whatever the rules are in your jurisdiction, which unfortunately for us here in Manitoba are essentially closed doors. Yeah, that's a great question, Hustler. And I honestly can't say with clarity that I know the answer for sure. Where my mind goes is previous postponements and reschedulings that the NHL has done and sort of guessing at based on the, on the precedent, you know, how much time did they leave teams in advance in some of these situations? And I think they've been pretty good about that so far. The issue, though, I think is what you said, is that, well, February is coming up. There's only so many unscheduled days in that month. They also talked about, even though they're going to be playing games, there's no Olympic break. They've talked about a one-week bye week for all teams to give them something in terms of relaxation, although Winnipeg's had an awful lot of uh, days between games. And so then you wonder... Well, what gives first? Do they extend the regular season? Um, Do they accept that there will be fans, like games played without fans, as has happened in past years as well? And I think that at some point, um, and some point soon, if we're at the 11th today, you know, we're basically looking at the end of next week, I think, as as a realistic timeline, without me necessarily being able to say that, you know, I know that for sure. But by the end of next week, beginning of the week after that, if we don't have an answer, I mean, you know, building schedules need to be maintained. Travel schedules need to be formed. And I don't know that the NHL really wants to get into a situation where it's doing everything at the last minute so consistently. They're going to want to have a plan. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I think we'll be the last ones to know about it when it becomes public. I mean, I, I've often thought about what the guy that makes the schedule has been doing. I mean, usually you get that thing together. His summer's probably bananas. Finally, it gets out. Here you go. And then goes about his business and probably starts working on the next year's schedule during this time. I mean, to rejig so many games for so many teams is a, uh, it could probably be a logistical nightmare, especially, you know, in buildings that are a little busier. Of course, we know that's not a problem right now in Canada because teams aren't, if the buildings aren't hosting the National Hockey League, they certainly aren't hosting anything else. Uh, but it becomes it, it's a very precarious situation for a number of teams that have already bled a lot of red ink over the last couple of years. And of course, a big part of this as well is that the players 
Um, you know, the, the players are as incentivized as anyone to get bands back in the stands because they still have some invoices to pay from previous seasons based on what's already happened through this pandemic. So I don't have a lot of answers, but man, it is a big, big mess. And um, you just hope that as fast as everything rose up with Omicron, we'll get back going down equally as quickly on the other end and uh, hopefully start to see some fans, especially with uh, sort of some games, especially with some fans in the building. Um, back to the Jets for a minute, as far as what's happening on the ice. Uh, we did get an optimistic update on Captain Blake Wheeler, who uh, sounds like he's about ready. It's not like he's about ready to return to the lineup, but first and foremost, get on the ice, uh, be a period in the non-contact jersey. But uh, Coach did touch on that today, Mark Rott. Yeah, the update is that Blake Wheeler has been skating on his own. And so the natural follow-up is when when is he going to join the team? Now, depending on how you interpret the moment of the question, it was the last of the day. There was no follow-up. But I believe it was Mike McIntyre whose follow-up was essentially this. It was, okay, well, if he's skating on his own, um, how soon might we see him into practice, even in a non-contact jersey? And Dave Lowry's answer doesn't necessarily reference a non-contact jersey. What he what he really says is that he's expecting Wheeler to join the team on that road trip towards the end of the month in Boston, Pittsburgh, Nashville, and Washington. Um, and so does that mean that we're going to get him in practice in a non-contact situation for an extended period of time? How long is that going to look like? I, I don't think we have clarity on that today. I do think, and this is something that I've believed all along and that I've understood all along, that we're not looking at a situation where he's missing a large chunk of the season. The timing continues to be unfortunate. It's it's going to have been more than a month. That's that's a large chunk, I should say. But I think there were some folks who were concerned he would be out for the entirety of the season. Could the Jets add players with his LTI space? All that sort of stuff. I mean, that's not on the that's not on the table. Never was on the table. Um, you know, I think he'll be good to go sooner than later. Um, which is great news. And, you know, whether he gets into one of those games, I guess we will see. I certainly wouldn't put past the captain to come back and get in the lineup, especially with what's happening elsewhere in the Jet lineup. Um, but, you know, let's assume that this game happens, a big two points on the table against, a, you know, a team in the Detroit Red Wings that's in a bit of a rebuild, but has certainly been better this season. Another, what, four days off, two canceled games or postponed games on the weekend that were supposed to be at home. And then a road trip, Marat, Tuesday in Washington against one of the top teams in the league. Thursday in Nashville against the Central Division leading Predators. And then back-to-back afternoon games, Boston Bruins on the 22nd and the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 23rd. Um, This is not the JV division of the National Hockey League. And when we talk about where the Jets are right now in the standings, the fact that they haven't played a bunch of games, I mean, you know, this is a very precarious time for this team with what's happening with the lineup and going into a bit of a meat grinder of a schedule where a very disappointing road trip could really put them behind the eight ball with a lot of ground to make up on the rest of their opponents in the Central Division. Yeah, it's absolutely not the JV Division. I love that line. I mean, games in hand are one thing. Games in hand when you get tuned 7-1 by the Colorado Avalanche are an entirely different ball game, and they're, they're not of any use whatsoever. And I'm not saying that Winnipeg is going to get crushed uh, on the regular for any extended period of time, but those are some difficult games. I mean, I mean, in addition to signing Tuka Rask, and so that's an interesting story out of Boston, you know, David Pasternak, who's kind of struggled this season, put together with Taylor Hall, all of a sudden Boston is back to an extremely dynamic top six. Um, and... 
the the chemistry that they've developed, the amount of points they've put up is pretty incredible. Alex Ovechkin flirting with the NHL points uh, lead, as well as obviously just scoring goal after goal after goal. There's a lot going on there. Evgeny Malkin coming off the IR soon. He's game time decision, I believe, tonight for Pittsburgh. Uh, so it's a challenging road. And obviously Nashville is a longtime rival and UC Saros is a huge part of their success, but there's some rejuvenation, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, et cetera. Not one of those is an easy game. Not one of those is a, you know, dare I say in Arizona, Winnipeg's lost Arizona as well. The NHL's a, you know, there's a lot of parody. Um, so Winnipeg's in an interesting situation. You expect what is horribly termed the dead cat bounce when a coach gets fired and replaced. And you, you often see that data has pointed this out. Teams tend to recover and win a lot of games, but what happens when your schedule is put on ice for a little while? What happens when you're made to do these two consecutive training cap type situations that Winnipeg has done? And then you go into the meat grinder. That is that, that road trip. It's a challenge. And I, I think that this is where, you know, I, Paul Stastny called it the dog days of the schedule. I don't think it's quite that. It might feel like that because of how many games are left to go. It's such a challenge. Winnipeg is in such a spot. I really think that this is going to test, you know, its ability to execute everything that has been asked of, of it as a club since Dave Lowry has taken over and roll with the punches as well. If teams that are simply excellent demonstrate how good they are, if they have a McKinnon, Rantanen type shift, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Winnipeg's going to be in, in tough to roll with those punches, adapt and come out of it with as many points as possible to give itself a chance heading into the real stretch run of the year. Hey, speaking of that game against the Avs, um, it was a nice start. I mean, they scored early on the power play, pretty close to making it 2 nothing. Um, you know, and got through the first 20 minutes in a, you know, a pretty even hockey game. And then uh, the, uh, the Avalanche decided to uh, flex and remind everybody who the... Uh, who the preseason favorites and right now the Stanley Cup favorites are. What were what was your takeaways from uh, last Thursday in Denver? Well, it was, it, I agree with you. It was an interesting night. I, I don't think Winnipeg got creamed in terms of the flow of play. It wasn't one of those nights where they were just unable to get out of their own zone or anything to that effect. You do want to give credit to Landeskog, Ranton, and McKinnon because every once in a while they just decided that they were better than everybody else on the ice. And they genuinely are. I don't know that you can game plan too, too well for moments like that. And that spin move that McKinnon put off of Kyle Connor and then, you know, just wires home that goal. There are special plays that special players are capable of making. But I think that the, the take forward analysis from that game was how many plays, whether it was with Winnipeg shorthanded or at five on five, that happened in and around the net where the Jets were unable to win that puck battle. And I thought that nothing drove that home for me more. It was actually a Winnipeg Jets offensive opportunity. The puck was behind the Colorado goaltender. Andrew Kopp was on it. He was at the top of the crease, exactly where you want him to be. And Eric Johnson converges on him, takes his stick away with the puck sitting there in the net empty. That's a box out. That's a stick tie up. That's a battle one that prevents a goal at the other end of the ice. Even with those high flying avalanche who all those stars well, you were seeing Jets defensemen, even the big ones, even the strong ones, but also Nate Schmidt, who you might not associate that with his game. Um, and throughout the lineup, it didn't seem to matter which Jets defenseman it was. There was a lot of situations where the player was there. The battle was engaged. The battle was not won. The stick was not taken away. The puck went in. And that's a clear focus. So many goals are scored in those contexts. That's why you've heard so much talk from the Winnipeg Jets about box outs in the last little while. Certainly, I've been asking those questions of the coach and the player as well. Um, that's going to be those types of battles are the ones that Winnipeg could probably turn a lot of goal differential on if it starts to win some more of them. Murata Tesh of The Athletic is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Um, Murat, I wanted to ask you about your latest piece in The Athletic. And, you know, I guess, you know, with all of this time in between games, it sort of gives you the opportunities to explore some different lines of writing and questioning. But um, fill people in. How did you get the idea for this piece on uh, just how different it is dealing with the media in this pandemic slash Zoom era? Well, I first started thinking about this piece because so many so many sports writers write about sports writing from time to time. So I'm like, why do I need to add my voice to what that looks like? But earlier this fall, we had that one day. I think there was one Jets player on the COVID protocol, if I recall correctly. It was also a particularly cold day in the city, if I recall correctly. So we had one day worth of Zoom. And I asked Blake Wheeler at that time how that how that changes things. And I don't know, you know, Huss, if you've ever seen this firsthand, but and, and fans certainly will only see this through the camera lens, there is a moment in a typical Winnipeg Jets season without COVID where Blake Wheeler is standing there in front of a whole bunch of microphones, the lights are on, the cameras have started to roll, and nobody's asked that first question yet, where there's this real palpable tension. Who's going to ask it first? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be a good question? Is Blake Wheeler going to cast that like eye of, uh, of like... <laughs> stern criticism um you know even when he does that he answers the question in a great way eventually as a general rule but certainly there's a tension in and around those moments and i thought to myself well you know sitting at the podium or at the table as, as wheeler was at that moment you know this might be a good opportunity to reflect on on how that feels for him that moment how zoom has felt for him particularly because, you know, as you remember last year, when he came out of the gate with such a horrible plus minus, he's playing through that cracked rib. Um, he was missing defensive assignments that he doesn't typically miss. He's a better defensive player than that. The criticism came out in a really, really big way. And I think that there was this undercurrent throughout the entirety of last season. This is my opinion, not his, of tension between Jets players and media and whether it was that moment where reporters really jumped on him in a zoom call uh, to the point where Paul Maurice was saying you're beaking my captain um, whether it was a little bit later on in the year where Mark Scheifele was seemed to be a little bit upset that we didn't go to bat for him as hard as as we could have during the suspension situation as well Um, he had an us against the world mentality there were so many different little moments so I wanted to talk to players about what makes a relationship between media and players good, how that can be negotiated and navigated in a Zoom context and all of those things. So when you have Wheeler talking about it, Andrew Cobb, Nate Schmidt, these are some of the most thoughtful guys on the Winnipeg Jets organization. And then I just used it as an opportunity to think out loud about how we can all be better to give fans the best possible version of NHL storytelling. And in terms of all being better, that includes myself as well. That's what's coming out of my head. How does it feel to sit there and hear all that from your chair? Yeah, you know what? And it was really interesting. And especially in, you know, and again, there hasn't been a lot going on here. But, um, you know, of course, there was the uh, the piece Billick wrote, you know, going into the holidays that was then sort of addressed very quickly, professionally and briefly by Connor Hellebuck um, in the post game coming out of the Arizona game. And, you know, and I talked about that on the next day. I mean, I thought Hellebuck handled it very professionally. I don't I don't blame him for feeling the way that he did. Um, and then Scott, you know, sort of owned it and wrote something in the Winnipeg Sun, which I thought was admirable about it. But the one thing that just seems to me that's so different, and again, I'm on a different schedule right now, and certainly ever since, you know, I had the show expanded back at the old spot, wasn't able to be around the rink every day and in the room. It was always fun, and... I was never a guy that wanted to be in there getting the first one, but you know, you really did learn a lot. And the thing that I liked the most was those 
kind of quieter conversations away from everyone that, you know, you really can learn a lot and learn a lot about the individuals. But I mean, something that Gary told me, and I, and I saw it firsthand because he launched a few scuds in his day at members of the local squad. Um, you know, the one thing that you basically do that, you know that you're going to probably ruffle some feathers to use a famous Winnipeg term. Um, and you got to own it and be there next day and sort of take that feedback. And, you know, it was fascinating with what happened with Hellebuck's response is that, you know, that was like two weeks later. And, you know, you don't have that opportunity to go in and address things right away for good or for bad or to clarify things in this world of Zoom. And it took all the way to that Arizona game for Hellebuck to be back out there to have that question for it to sort of blow up. And, you know, it's very difficult. And I understand why players, you know, sometimes maybe get their backs up on things, especially when they don't have a chance to speak to that person to be accountable. And from the other side of things, when you're writing something that you may believe and stand by, there still is an element to that job if you are doing those sort of pieces of showing up and being accountable to the people that you're writing about. And that is not possible right now. And to me, that was the biggest part of everything that happened in that particular situation. Yeah, I'm a huge believer of any conflict of any kind, whether within hockey journalism or elsewhere, the more directly that you can engage in the conflict resolution period, one-on-one, -on -one, honestly, openly, the better it is for everybody. Because I think most issues or most concerns, when two people with who can honestly explain their point of view about a situation can get together and hear each other, I think that solves most things to create a sense of understanding. So, um, you know, without speaking for Scott, because I'm not him and he has his own opinions and, and you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm going to imagine that in a typical year, if he had written something that Connor Hallibuck wasn't too pleased by, you know, Scott would have absolutely been there in the room and they would have had an opportunity to, to speak to each other directly. And I think that's the way that it really should happen. And we're in an interesting situation where we don't have that opportunity. So speaking for myself in this situation, you'll remember that right before Paul Maurice resigned, I wrote something extremely critical of Paul Maurice's um, recent tenure as a Winnipeg Jets coach, particularly pinning it on Mark Shifley's lack of defensive uh, responsibility at that time. And I remember showing up to the Matt Frost Media Center the next day. We were still in person at that time. It was you know, remote and distant. There was no chance of a one-on-one -on -one with anybody or anything like that. But I asked my colleagues, I asked the veterans from our beat, I asked Ken Wee, what did he think? You know, you know, was it really important, even in this modern scenario, that I was here? And I think the consensus was yes, absolutely. And I, I believe that as well. I think you have to give human beings a lot of credit. You know, Connor Hellebuck knows we write about him. Um, and there are going to be things, especially personal topics, where he's allowed to be upset about it. And players are allowed to, to have opinions that differ from what gets written about them or, or take umbrage with certain things. And in that situation, if that's how we felt, which I think is valid, you know, there's an opportunity in a typical season for guys to see, uh, to see eye to eye. And this is just modestly contentious stuff. What, what if... Um, well, I guess I don't want to say that because I can't speak to the emotions. Is that modest? Is that extremely? I'm not sure. I don't want to say that. But there are so many different types of conflicts, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and, you know, in the best of times, that's a difficult one-on-one -on -one conversation, though I believe in it. 
And now with Zoom, that adds so many different layers. And I think there's just so much more opportunity for us to show empathy to the other person throughout this scenario. And I think that that's kind of what I was trying to get to in my piece was what are the ways that can we can, you know, essentially treat people more like people and get the best out of each other? Because, you know, our jobs are hard right now and uh, as fun as they are. And, and so are theirs to, to really open up because they want good stories to be written about them, too. Um, yeah, thinking there's out loud no, at you, get me philosophical. philosophical. No, there's, there's not, there, dude. There's nothing easy about anything right now, and it doesn't matter what you're doing. Now, I mean, let's be real. I mean, we sort of live our lives in the toy department of, uh, of, uh, if yes, the world do. is a department store, and I'm always thankful for that. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I mean, I, listen, I don't have a family. I'm sitting here focusing on what's important to me. Well, I'm pissed off that we don't have hockey games to go to on Saturday and Sunday night. I realize there's a bigger reason for that. And it's not about me and my ability to go watch the Ottawa Senators come to town on Saturday night. Um, because there's people that, you know, are working 12 hour shifts night in and night out and then coming back and shoveling the driveway. <laughs> 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 yes they are i had to get that and god i'm still laughing about that from the weekend um this has been fun folks make sure you check that out at the athletic if you uh, have the opportunity already and uh, of course if you're not already subscribed to the athletic what the heck are you waiting for hey just quickly on the way out what do you make about this whole evander kane situation i mean listen the fact that he might lose 22 million dollars is incredible um to me it seems like you know, the Sharks with the situation that he had put them in had been looking for, well, basically had been ready to pull the trigger at any final um, misstep by Evander. And I think we've got there. But regardless of what happens with the challenge and all that, I mean, is there a place for Evander in the National Hockey League this year? And and if so, you think, I mean, what sort of team will take the opportunity um, to get an incredibly talented player that can help you on the ice at a very discounted rate and what are the challenges or risks to that team that does it yeah i mean in terms of piecing together his situation there's so much i don't know it seems as though you know from his days in winnipeg to now there's been a cloud of uh of i guess issues that have followed the player around and I'm I'm trying to figure out and, you know, I wasn't here during his initial time here and I haven't done a tremendous job of self-educating about, you know, the various allegations and the other scenarios around Evander Kane that have led to this moment, you know, whether it was, you know, faking COVID cred uh, vaccine credentials, I think it was, or, you know, traveling, trying to cross the border, all of those things. I'm not particularly well educated in that. So I think that for me to have a really good opinion, what I really need to do is sort out a little bit better how much of that you know, what the facts are about those situations. Because I think that with his early money phone business and all that sort of stuff, people had maybe a bit of an easy time throwing criticism towards him. And I'm trying to figure out which of that was real and which isn't. Um, the allegations of domestic abuse and things like that, that's a much more significant thing. And, and the facts, I, I, I don't know. So all of those sorts of things are a distraction and and the the facts are not, I, I don't know them is, is the thing. On the ice, clearly a player that can help. And I think that that's why you've already heard teams convey interest. Um, the Edmonton Oilers being at the front of that list because GM Ken Holland had a press conference today and was asked about it. But I'm not sure how many other GMs have made that call. He's a very good hockey player. Uh, he's a power forward. He can, you know, he's a tremendous shooter, a tremendous hitter. You can control the flow of play a lot of the time. He scored a lot of goals in the NHL. And I think that a player with that level of talent is somebody who a lot of teams 
especially desperate ones kind of painted into the corner by their own cap scenario as the Edmonton Oilers are, would be willing if there's a moral gray area to, to sort of stretch their morality a bit, a, a little bit about. And if they do their diligence and that's how they feel, I would absolutely not be surprised if Evander Kane is in the NHL again, you know, in, in an awful hurry. And then the only concern is what the actual facts happen to happen to be. So to answer your question, I think that I would not be surprised if he's in the NHL and especially what I would call a more desperate team like the Edmonton Oilers spending such a high percentage of its uh, a cap as it is having goaltending issues, having tremendous secondary scoring issues outside of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. That team gets outscored more now than when they were rookies. Like there are so many systemic issues on that team having the opportunity to score with Evander Kane on the ice. I mean, I, I would understand why that's tempting for them. Marat, thank you as always. Uh, lots of love for you in the chat as you, uh, well, as every time you come on the program. Uh, looking forward to, fingers crossed, having a hockey game to watch on a Thursday night, talk about on Friday, and then starting on Tuesday, uh, we assume this will go forward. Fingers crossed that, you know, we don't have another rash of COVID outbreak uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. A very interesting four-game road trip, which uh, we'll be all over and we'll be able to talk about with you next week. Uh, thanks as always. You're looking great in that hat. Appreciate you joining us as always. Hey, keep your eyes peeled on that river trail for this exact hat at some point too. Thanks, us. <laughs> I'll see you out there, my man. Uh, there he is, Marat Atesh. Follow him on Twitter at WPG Marat. And if you're not already following and subscribing to The Athletic, what the heck are you waiting for? Uh, we've got more hockey talk. Interesting conversation with JP Vijay coming up in just a second. Uh, cheers to the new year with our friends at Little Brown Jug. Tap Room and Brewery back open today. And just waiting for you to pop down and pick up that winter variety pack, the old staple, the 1919, or maybe the Brute IPA, the brand new Little Brown Jug beer, brewed in celebration of LBJ's fifth anniversary last month in December. Um, lots going on. I mean, listen, it'd be great to be able to uh, spend some late nights out at the pub, sipping 1919s. That obviously is not happening right now, but um, you know you don't even need to leave the house to get Little Brown Jug delivered to you. Delivery offers well citywide right now, and all you need to do is go to littlebrownjug.ca, make your order, and uh, the gang at Little Brown Jug will deliver it directly to you. So whether you're popping down on William Avenue to Little Brown Jug in person or making an online order, the great taste of Little Brown Jug, ready for a big NFL playoff weekend, and the return of Winnipeg Jets games, fingers crossed, coming up on Thursday. Um, and a big thanks to Princess Auto, uh, sponsors of our Winnipeg Sports Talk curling reports, and uh, especially excited for the Princess Auto sponsor team of the Queen herself, Jen Jones, going for another Olympic gold medal in Beijing next month. We'll be all over that here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of many of the uh, curlers coming out of Manitoba, including the Jones and Mike McEwen rinks, as well as the Hodgson and Carey mixed double squad that unfortunately wasn't able to compete in Portage for the Olympic trials. Still waiting to hear how Curling Canada is going to decide on that Canadian representative for the mixed. In the meantime, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals and most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Family-owned, countrywide, massive company, two locations in Winnipeg, and head office right here in Winnipeg. And of course, you can also get those ideas going and shop 24-7, 365 online 
at princessauto.com. And uh, you know what? We've got games coming up on Thursday, a massive NFL slate on the weekend, and there's nothing that goes better with a, a big game at night or a weekend football than an order from Boston Pizza. Gourmet Pizza is amazing Boston's wings. Uh, which I had watching that Rams-Niners game in person, decided to get out of the house on the weekend for a little bit. Uh, but, of course, you can call your local Boston Pizza or order online at bostonpizza.com for a great delivery in time for your big game. All right, um, we will get to some cool bet lines. Busy night in the National Hockey League coming up tonight. Uh, obviously, Jets not involved. They'll be back at it on Thursday. Uh, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, just before we got on to the program, uh, had a chance to catch up with our good friend, JP Vijay. Get his thoughts on the Jets under Dave Lowry compared to Paul Maurice. And for a guy like Vige, who uh, for a good portion of his professional career was sort of on the bubble between the NHL and the AHL, had a chance to talk about what it's like for some of the AHL guys you know, with this COVID going around right now to be so close to not just getting an opportunity to move up in the lineup, but maybe jump a number of guys and actually play in the National Hockey League. Uh, here's our conversation from a little earlier today with JP Vijay. The CEO, the COO of Vijay Hockey, uh, just the boss. How, how do you go by there out uh, yeah. out? When you're spot. Pretty much a little bit of everything. I'm like a general manager. I patch band-aids. I fill rosters. They're changing every day. Uh, we're looking for staff. We're trying to find more work. It's it's a never-ending process, but it's a lot of fun. Hey, you know what, Vijay, I want to talk Jets with you, but I just have to ask you, as someone that, you know, operates a business, is involved in minor hockey, um, I mean, we all know where we're at right now with this virus. It's uh, touching everyone at some point, whether you're getting it, whether it's your family, whether it's your business. I mean, uh, how are things working for you right now, and uh, how are you getting by? Yeah, we're getting by. I mean, it's an ever-evolving and changing landscape, and that's probably the hardest part is we don't know what's coming up, what the rules are going to be, how things are going to be adjusted. So we have two or three game plans coming up of what we want to do, how we're going to prepare, and then it's staffing. Like, COVID's everywhere, right? So we've had some nights where we're short-staffed. Uh, you know, it's not 11 and 7. We're looking at two or three, right? So we're, we're looking at make do and get other people in and making sure we have enough people to help the kids that are out there but it's ever evolving uh it's not the end of the world people have been really good because oh you're short staffed because of covid well there's nothing we can do about it we don't want that sick person infecting our kids so have that person stay away and we'll help out as best we can so that's been real good um because it has been crazy and you ask a lot of people who get it they don't even know where they get it from right like they could have got it from the grocery store that afternoon or the day before so you really can't bark on a person because it's not like they're going, you know, to the bar and having beers till three in the morning. They could get it anywhere. So what are you going to do? You just kind of deal with the situation and move on. Yeah, the horse <clears throat> is out of the barn when it comes to it. And we can just hope that, you know, we'll get on the other side of this very soon. And, um, you know, everyone will be in a better place. Um, you know, listen, I want to talk Jets. I want to particularly talk to you about Dave Lowry or what you've seen from the club, you know, post Paul Maurice leaving. But first off, I mean, speaking of COVID, four more Jets on the list today. Nate Beaulieu, Billy Hanela, Logan Stanley, forward Christian Reichel. Um, you know, you've already got DeMello and Harkins and Nikolai Ehlers on the list. Uh, you know, it certainly seems like, you know, the Jets are just the next team up that, you know, hadn't had it ravage them earlier, but it's happening right now. I, I want to ask you this, though. 
Um, you're a guy that, you know, spent a lot of time in the NHL, but also in the American Hockey League. You'd been a guy that, you know, would have been a first call up at times in your career. What do you think this is like for bubble players right now um, with the oh. with the opportunity that is being presented at times, but also the taxi squad where you might be on the squad for a while and you're getting a nice check. However, you might not be playing for a long time. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Getting the nice check is half the battle sometimes, <laughs> right, for some guys. But you want to play, right? I think what it's done is given opportunity to an abundance of players who might not normally get as much opportunity. I can think back to a few years in Atlanta. Uh, we had, I think, our fifth goalie called up. I think we had our East Coast goalie called up to the National Hockey League because we had so many injuries on the uh, on the goaltending front. So opportunity is there for players to be had. Now, being on that taxi squad doesn't always allow you the best preparation time because you're not always with the team. You're kind of on your own. So you're not getting full practices. You're not getting games. All of a sudden, you're just kind of thrown into the fire. So it's not always a fair measuring stick on how to be prepared for the National Hockey League because you can't just go, you know, call up a guy and say he's ready to play. Uh, we're seeing it through all sorts of hockey, all the way to the East Coast Hockey League. I've heard guys that hadn't played in two years getting a phone call. Do you want to play for a week? We just have been gotten so many guys called up. We have COVID. We need bodies, right? And I said, why? I can't do it, but let me see if I can help you find guys that can do it, right? So it's definitely very interesting. Uh, so I think opportunity is there for those guys. And that's fantastic. As a young guy, who, hey, my path was I had to get over six guys to get called up to get to the National Hockey League. Well, literally – that could be one afternoon of COVID testing yeah, and you're in, right? So like my pecking order is way different now. And the I might've been sixth on the depth list, but one good weekend for me and one bad weekend for the team, I'm in. So I have to be ready at all costs. You know, it's a great point. And I mean, we've seen it already this year and this was before the Jets were really ravaged by it, which it sort of seems like we might be on the verge of right now. I mean, I didn't have Christian Reichel getting into a game in the first half of the season and CJ Cease, and yet and yet here we are. And right now, I mean, we'll find out more over the course of the next couple of days heading into this game against Detroit, assuming that it's even played is that, um, you know, there was all this talk about when's Vili Hanel going to get into the lineup and, oh, you got Nate Bolio and Logan Stanley. Well, they're all out right now. And, I mean, much like you just said, I mean, we could be skipping the six, seven, and eight spot on the depth chart right now and yeah. going down to mm -hmm. nine or ten. And whether that's a Dylan Sandberg or a Johnny Kovacevic, um, you know, there could be a call coming to one of those players far earlier than they might have imagined. And, uh, I mean, as someone that has been in that spot, the bottom line is you better be ready. Yeah, and, you know, do what it takes to get ready. You're going to get one, maybe two odd cracks at this, right? So, you know, Dylan Sandberg is a perfect example. Was going to be given every opportunity to make the club this year, right? Gets an injury on the first day of training camp. Basically doesn't get any training camp, no exhibition games, and gets sent down because it, he hadn't played. Well, now here's round two. He's getting another opportunity. How is he going to be ready, right? He's going to have to come out guns a-blazing because if he wants a spot, he's got to steal it. Will the Jets give it to him? Ah, I'm not really sure. The top six or seven are kind of locked in right now when everyone's healthy. But how long do these uh, COVID case last? How long does an injury creep up? Does he climb the pecking order? Instead of being you know, the eighth or ninth man called up, is he seventh now? So all those little things come into factor. And I, I think it's very exciting for the National Hockey League. Every GM is probably going to go even balder or grayer if they're not already through all this uh, anxiety. But 
it is what it is and that's the environment we live in yeah no well well put right now and i mean it's certainly making each and every one of these off days in the midst of you know a week off at a time you know very newsworthy because i mean right now to be honest i mean we're getting ready for this show and just saying okay wait a second who's on the list today where are things at i mean yeah. who's at practice um as we get ready and to that change in the next hour right like and, and an hour after that and then by the time they get back to to game time the next game it's the morning it's it just changes all the time. It's just crazy. No, it uh, it's uh, <laughs> very strange times right now in the National Hockey League. JP Vijay is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Vij, I wanted to ask you about Paul Maurice leaving and what you've seen from Dave Lowry now behind the bench. But first off, I mean, in your pro career, how many midseason coaching changes did you have? And I realize, you know, usually it's a firing. This was technically a little different. But um, you know, fill us in, uh, you know, on uh, when you had a coaching change in season and, and what that did to your team. Well, I've had two. Uh, the first one, I had been called up to Atlanta, and I think my the healthy bodies were starting to come back. I was about to be sent down within the next couple of days. And uh, they hired Bob Hartley. Uh, you could see it had been in the works. Uh, Don Waddell had been doing the practices uh, and whatnot and kind of talking to guys and getting a feel for what kind of coach he needed. Uh, Bob Hartley comes in, does the press conference. Don Waddell calls me in and says, sorry, all the healthy bodies are back. We're going to send you down. So that one, I didn't really get a whole lot of uh, influx on how the team dealt with it. I think from what I saw there, Bob came in, guns a-blazing, sent a message, wanted to have a hard line with the guys. And there was an initial jump of the players. And then after that, that kind of got old pretty quick. And then, uh, you know, they made the playoffs, lost four in a row, lost every exhibition game the following season, and Bob was out the door. Uh, time two for me, it happened in Switzerland. And to me, that it was a really weird time. We were two points out of first place. We're winning games 2-1, 3-2 most nights. The general manager was really annoyed. He wanted to have a sexier, flashy team, wanted to win games 6-3, 6-5, kind of a 1980s, 1990s, old hockey school, Wayne Gretzky style. Uh, we'd won two in a row. We lost the game in overtime, 2-1, uh, and he lost his butt. And he, general manager comes in, fires the coach. And that one, they kind of tried to rally the team. And I think at that point, they shook the team so hard that it unraveled us. We ended up getting it back together, losing in the finals that year. But it's interesting how different dynamics can either help the team or shake the team up and not let them gain confidence again. So what we've seen from the Jets, we actually haven't seen a whole lot of change in the dynamic of their play. Did they play hard for Paul Maurice? Absolutely. Are they playing hard for Dave Lowry? Yes. What are the differences? There's been a couple. Uh, <clears throat> I would start with the penalty kill. The penalty kill seems more aggressive, more on their toes. Uh, to me, the big change is Andrew Kopp is now back with Adam Lowry. That pair has kind of solidified that PK, and then they've adjusted from there. Uh, creating the, the extra pressure has been real good. And then to me, what else has changed in the game? They've tried to get to the net, but I haven't seen it consistently. Um, the big thing I look at for the team is what is the team? What are the Winnipeg Jets? So if I asked you this question, Huss, what's the identity of the Winnipeg Jets right now? <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, I I'm would not say sure I'd answer in, that question either. In in the book, like certainly on paper, it's a team with incredible starts <laughs> off with incredible goaltending. Um, and you know, some yeah. world class <laughs> skill. Um, you know, we focus on players like Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers and Mark Shifley. Um, but I mean, the reason why often you will do that is because you'll see like, you know, the highlight reel, the, the, you know, the plays on the rush that happen 
which this team right. is certainly capable <laughs> of, of of doing. But as you will um, certainly agree, JP, um, the better competition you play against, especially when you get into playoff hockey, all that time and room and space isn't often there as you get up the pecking order in the National Hockey League. So while it's great to be able to do that, um, you know, the identity of, of a team, and I think this is what Dave Lowry is hammering on, is, you know, we need to be harder to play against and we need to go in and do some of those little things that you know might not show up on the plays of the week at the end of the uh, at the end of the uh, seven day right. period, um, but it'll end up on the scoreboard. And I think that is what he has been um, he has been hammering on. But the funny thing is, I'm not sure Paul Maurice had much of a different message at that time. Yeah, I, I agree. Now I'm going to continue my questioning to you. Let's pick a couple good teams in National Hockey League. What the Colorado av- Avalanches? identity well they're just better and more skilled and faster than everybody else in the down league right okay so now let's go to the florida panthers what's their identity well the florida panthers and again this i haven't watched them as much as i have the uh, the colorado avalanche but i mean they're uh, they would certainly be less of it i mean they do have a lot of skilled fast players i don't think there's any doubt about that right um but they and, and again this was more under coach q and i think that it's kind of continued on going forward that I mean they are they're meeting the challenge of those opponents and I think back to playing all last year against Carolina and against Tampa and knowing that that is I mean they essentially are trying to build a team that can beat those squads and to do that I mean you better be able to score goals but man you have to be able to play the body and not give that time and space to other teams. And I don't know what you want to call that. Um, I'm sure there's some coach speak for it, but um, at the end of the day, I mean, you have to eliminate the opportunities for your opponents to do what they do best. And that I think is what Florida has done very, very successfully this year against even the best teams in the East. Right. Perfect. So my point being is we pick the top teams in the national hockey league and their identity that you can off the top of your head, you can speak of two or three key things that they have. For me, I'm not really sure what the Winnipeg Jets are. Yes, they have a good goaltending. They have some good defense. They have good forwards. But how does it all mesh together when they play? Right? How does the sum of all those parts make a better team than individuals? And I think that's what's waiting for the Winnipeg Jets right now is, what is that? They have some fast guys. They have some skilled guys. They have some guys that can battle. But how does it make the team better? And I think that's what's kind of missing right now is that, that little push. Carolina Hurricanes, they're fast. They play quick. They throw lots of pucks to the net. They might win 2-1. They might win 8-5. But they're going to play the same game each night. And I think that's the inconsistency of what the Winnipeg Jets don't have right now. And that's what they're searching for. And to me, that's that missing piece to make them who they are. Let me ask you be. this then. How much How much of the of the coaching change and of that message really boils down to your top six? Uh, because yeah, sure. you know what I mean? The fourth line is going to play limited minutes. Um, your third line, at least as constituted right now with Adam Lowry um, and cop together, regardless of who's on that line is going to be more of a checking line. Hopefully they'll chip in offensively, but they can be a guy a line that hopefully you can count on in some tough matchups on most nights. But when we talk about all these things, I mean, your top two lines are getting the majority of ice time at five on five. And, you know, honestly, I mean, we have these big, broad conversations about what is a team. 
I mean, to me, honestly, sometimes it comes down to getting those guys on the top two lines that are getting the majority of the ice time playing the way you need them to. And I think to your point, we don't know a lot about, you know, exactly who this Winnipeg Jets team is because at times they look like, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters out there at times and others, um, you know, especially during the time or the, the end of the Maurice era, um, at times they could look completely lost against teams that were absolutely inferior them inferior to them talent wise. Yeah, and that's exactly my point is that consistency of that that game, right? Where is that game in game out? We, you know, Kyle Connors having a good year, Pierre Luc Dubois having a great bounce back year. The expectation of what it is, but then you're like, there's more, right? We've seen pieces of Shifley. Yes, he's had COVID and it's been an injury and it's been difficult. He's kind of doing what Pierre-Luc Dubois did last year. So maybe he's not 100%. He's got that Charlie horse that probably he's still dealing with uh, from that knee. Uh, you know, Blake Wheeler's hurt. So, yes, and, and I think that's part of it. But finding that rhythm and that groove that you know that, okay, these guys are going to go hard. They're going to shorten their shifts. They're going to, you know, chip it in, chip it out. And, and, you know, at the right time, do the right things. And when the opportunity is there, they're going to bang home that cookie because they have that skill set. and They're doing things the right way. Hey, let me just ask you, as a former player, I mean, if you're in that room right now um, and you know, just think about everything that's happened, you, you go to a coach that leaves, you play two games, you're off for the better part of two weeks, you come back, you win a couple, you get pumped by Colorado in a real sort of reality check game, and then you're off for another week and a bunch of guys get COVID and you got one game and then you're off for a few more days. I mean, how challenging would this be to be a player, an active player that's not dealing with anything right now you know, through another week of practice, uh, not to mention knowing what's to come when these games get rescheduled, which will be probably as much of a meat grinder of a schedule as they've had, even including the 56-game season last year. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting. It's very difficult, right? Players hate practice. They want to play games, <laughs> and that's where they're more comfortable at. But, you know, this is kind of a hindsight benefit for Dave Lowry because now he gets to, you know, tweak the system, put things in place that he wants and get quite a few practices in a row. The hard part is becomes, well, the line's changing every day for practice. Like he, he doesn't have the same 12 forwards every day. So he's got no continuity in what he's doing. So it's hard to evaluate if that change is going to work because, well, I have three new guys in practice, half my back ends out today that was here yesterday in practice. And it's not even a, an injury. It's the, you know, the flu bug and COVID and, so that's ever evolving. So there's no chance to really build off it. And I think you saw hey, Vegas, they built off some stuff. There was no no injuries in practice, not a lot of COVID. They had a great game against Vegas. They kind of stumble against, you know, Colorado, who played the game the way I think the Winnipeg Jets want to play, fast and direct. Uh, so it was a good, like, stepping stone. But now this week of practice, how much momentum can they actually build? Because, well, every day there's five new guys on the list. Yeah, survival mode right now. But I mean, we kind of, and you know, you don't, well, there's no joking about this. But I mean, I think a lot of us are at the point where you just sort of assume that you better get vaccinated and get your booster because everyone's getting hit with this at some point. And uh, if you're getting a big handful of players coming off the list or, you know, being on the list, may as well be at a time when all your home games are canceled for a month and you don't have a lot yeah, of hockey well, to be played yeah. going forward. Uh, Vijay, always great catching up with you. I mean, uh, fill people in on uh, the VJ Hockey Academy and how they can find out more about where the, you guys are up to. Yeah, we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the fun stuff. The website's vjhockey.com. We do development 12 months a year, anywhere from 
little tykes to big tykes. Uh, we've even had some uh, adult groups in the past. So check it out. We'll have some fun on the ice, learn a few things, and uh, show us our love for the game. And uh, we'll go from there and uh, hope everyone stays safe. Look at this. Remus, the master producer, throwing up the website as we talk about it. The male and female spring lineups are already ready. You can check that out over at VJ Hockey. Uh, hey, you be well, my friend. Thanks for doing this. And uh, let's do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Stay safe. Oh, always great stuff with Vij, JP Vij, a great friend of ours, and uh, always a, a lot of great insight from uh, from Vij that you know, don't get from a lot of others, but uh, appreciate him joining us. We'll look forward to having Vij on more as the Jets get back on the ice in the coming weeks and months. Um, all right, we have a few things to get to, and some more big bomber news. Touch on that in just a second. Um, but hey... Buffalo chicken fingers are here at the Nick and Nikki DQ group right now. Um, listen, if you've not had the chicken fingers at DQ before, take it from me. They're amazing. I've always loved the honey barbecue ones, but now the Buffalo chicken fingers are here and they come highly recommended from the expert. And that of course is DQ Nick. So when uh, you're thinking about a burger, ultimate grill burger, still the most underrated burger in the fast food game. Steakhouse Burger is incredible. You can put that together, pair it with buffalo chicken fingers and maybe a blizzard, and you've got one of the most elite meals that one can enjoy. Now, four locations to check out with our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, both with drive throughs the DQ at Polo Park, and of course, the DQ St. Anne's. And hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Send them a message. Let them know what you want for a cake for your upcoming event or special occasion. They'll get it ready for you, custom made, ready to go for quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki. They've been with us from day one here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And of course, our friends at Canadian Club, um, you know, still have a few limited amount of those Winnipeg Blue Bomber 2021 Great Cup Championship special commemorative glasses with Jim Beam purchases at selected local liquor marts. If you're looking for those, you might want to call your local liquor mart to make sure they do have stock before you head over there. Uh, and of course, Canadian Club available at Manitoba Liquor Marts as well. Um, the CC folks have been so great to us since coming on board uh, with providing us from a number of great co-branded prizes for our marble races. Joey Panks was the big winner on Friday. We'll do another marble race coming up on Friday as well of this week. And uh, it is always powered. One of our favorite moments of the week, always powered by the great taste of Canadian Club. Of course, the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And speaking of the Blue Bombers, Remus, before we get to the Cool Bet lines, another very important signing for the Blue and Gold today. Patty Newfeld, Winnipeg's Patty the Batty, back on the offensive line after being a CFL All-Star this year and getting another Grey Cup ring. Um, you know, the the fronts of both sides with Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat, Yoshi Hardrick, Patty Newfeld being signed, continue to uh, round up with Kyle Walters doing a lot of work right now in the offseason. Yeah, it's a CFL offseason full swing signings every day. Um, yeah, so you got the O-line Hardrick and Newfeld signed, and then now, yeah, but defense Jefferson, Thomas, Jeff Coates signed, uh, 
Kyle Walter, he's got a pretty long to-do list, checking off more boxes. So uh, awesome to see a lot of the guys returning, has trying to run it back for another season. I mean, it speaks to what they've created here in Winnipeg. I mean, mm -hmm. these guys are all CFL all-stars, not division all-stars, like the best at their position in the Canadian Football League and uh, have all foregone free agency and the opportunity to take the money from the highest bidder to stay here in Winnipeg with the club. So, uh, hey, they've done it twice in a row. Why not do it again? And uh, very exciting announcement, actually, for Winnipeg Sports Talk for Blue Bomber fans. I'm not sure. I've ever had this individual on the program. Certainly haven't had him on on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and I believe I've spoken to him maybe once or twice back in the old station days, but I'm not sure. Anyways, tomorrow, Jackson Jeffcoat's joining us. Um, we're going to have a lot of Jets talk with Mike McIntyre, latest on the team coming out from practice as they head to Detroit. Hopefully not talking about more guys going on the list. But Jackson Jeffcoat will join us tomorrow. We'll talk to him about having the cup down in Texas, about signing, re-signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and uh, and more. So looking forward to that. Do not miss tomorrow's show. It should be a good one. And uh, hey, Remo, before we get to uh, the Cool Bet lines tonight, um, a big shout out to Jeff Kabilis, who I know is still fired up in the chat because his Georgia Bulldogs got it done last night. I said on the program last night, I was riding with the dogs, I was riding with the under. Under came in by just one point, but a big, big win and a heck of a football game to end the college football season. Uh, and you know what? Winning a bet on that final game is always great, but it's always a little more special to do it betting against Nick Saban in Alabama, the sort of the death star of college football. Reminds me of the good old days on the very rare win betting against Belichick and Brady during the Patriots dynasty days. Yeah, I'm pretty shocked uh, that Alabama didn't win. Uh, it seems like every year I see Nick Saban there and be like, oh man, and and you're, you're just sick uh, seeing him celebrate every year. But uh, they try to make a comeback at the end through the pick six. And I mean, he's pretty close uh, until the end. Maybe not the scoring that you thought you would see, but... Uh, definitely some drama there last night. Uh, you you watched that uh, double box TSN three broadcast? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I watched I, the I watched the TSN three. There was because I get you know you got I think you got to get all of them these days. But I tune into the standard, the traditional one on one of the other channels. I really liked it. I really liked it because they had the side view and the behind the quarterback view of the two boxes, and then they mm -hmm. had the pictures of the coaches at the bottoms with some extra information. Uh, but with the regular, uh, and you know what? I will say this, shout out to our guy, the GFL, Gregory Liverpool, told me, he said yesterday in chat, told everyone, the place to watch the college football championship game was on TSN3. So I just simply followed Gregory's uh, marching orders and did it, and it was, uh, was a heck of a football game. And listen, I'm not going to tell you that I've been sitting here handicapping college football all year. But it was interesting to have a favorite that is always in the big game, that always seems to win, that beat Georgia in the regular season as the favorite in the game, and the line never really moved. Um, and in fact, it kind of got a little bit more towards Georgia at the beginning, although when you went on social media and talked to people, listened to talking heads, everyone was going with Alabama. So, Kabilis, uh, I had faith in your squad, and they came up big. Fun way to finish up the college football season. If you head to Cool Bet right now, you'll see the lines for all of the NFL playoff games on the weekend. Six of them in total. Bengals, five and a half point favorites against the Raiders right now. Bills laying four at home against the Patriots. 
Buccaneers, nine and a half point favorites against the Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys, three point favorites at even money against the 49ers. That, that, that to me is the most interesting game of the entire first wildcard weekend. Um, Chiefs, the biggest favorite, 12 and a half they're laying against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Arrowhead. That's the Sunday night game. And then our first ever Monday nighter in the Super Wildcard weekend, Rams, four point favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. And of course, if you do want to bet a cool bet and you haven't before, use the promo code WST. We'll give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at CoolBet. Um, Sony Open in Hawaii is in effect. Check out the lock shop. Dusty and I did a uh, a show today, talked a little bit about some NFL NFL futures. We did some hockey picks for tonight's game, and we did our picks for the first full week of the PGA Tour in 2022. Sony Open in Hawaii. All those odds are up right now. If you want to get our picks or just enjoy, check out the podcast. And uh, if you would be so kind, yeah, just search Lock Shop on Apple or uh, Spotify and give us a sub and uh, join us. We usually do two episodes a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. All right, busy night in the National Hockey League, which is music to my ears. Tampa at Buffalo. Tampa, of course, a massive favorite, minus 303 on the road. Columbus hosting the Chicago Blackhawks, very close to a pick. And Blue Jackets minus 110, Blackhawks minus 106. Panthers, heavy favorites, minus 217 against Vancouver. I did take the Panthers to win in regulation at minus 130 in the lock shop. And Colorado, a road favorite tonight. They had a comeback win last night against the Seattle Kraken. But man, the travel from Seattle till Nashville and playing again tonight. Nashville's been playing very well might be a very good opportunity for the Preds to come in, although I do see that numbers drop quite a bit. When we did the lock shop a couple hours ago, the Preds were plus 131, now plus 116, although I think they do expect Darcy Kemper to get the start tonight. Pittsburgh, a big favorite, minus 185 over the Ducks. That was minus 152 earlier. That line's moved heavily. Mm. And the Maple Leafs now, um, you know, when I picked them on the lock shop, they were minus 105, now minus 118 favorites in Vegas against the Golden Knights. Knights, even money to win at home. One other game tonight, Detroit at San Jose. San Jose, a minus 139, uh, 139 favorites. So let's see. I'm just going to see what my parlay would be right now, Reem, because I had Toronto, I had Pittsburgh, and then I had the Panthers in regulation we'll have to get to that three-way number yeah one thing with that that pittsburgh game may have the line may have moved because of gaining malkin making his season debut tonight so i would think that would affect the lines if you got in early good for you good news good news on that malkin is back that's great for fans although just in time for the jets to play pittsburgh next week when they go on the road um, but heck, they've been playing amazing. They've been winning a ton of games right now. <clears throat> Evan Rodriguez Reem is the uh, the latest reclamation project to be turned into a star with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I picked him up in uh, in fantasy. I have to look at the lines. Um, you know, I've been playing daily fantasy, but I'm just getting so frustrated with the last second COVID scratches, and I keep starting goalies who aren't starting. So I'm gonna have to make my lineup a bit closer to game time because I always forget to uh, forget to check. So I actually haven't I haven't taken a good look at the things uh, here. Well, I've got Pittsburgh up in front of me. It's Crosby, Gensel, and Evan Rodriguez as the number one line. And now Evgeny Malkin slides back into the two-hole with Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen on line number two. Just looking at the, the Penn's defense. Demoulin, <clears throat> Latang, 
Marcus Pedersen, John Marino, Mike Matheson, and Chad Ruidal. <clears throat> Not household names, but getting the job done. <clears throat> Excuse me. For the Pittsburgh Penguins. So a busy night of hockey this evening. Uh, we'll hopefully uh, get to see a couple of great games. Tomorrow, Jets are back at practice, taking uh, uh, or getting ready to take on the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, but Remo, before we get to the program, before the Jets even hit the ice tomorrow, before practicing and then leaving, I think what everyone will be interested in is to uh, a tweet from Winnipeg Jets PR to see if any more individuals on this club have been add to the, added to the list. If you just got here and missed the first part of the program, yesterday it was Nikolai Ehlers. Today, it was Logan Stanley. Nate Beaulieu, Billy Hanela, as well as Christian Reichel. And uh, with the way this is going, uh, unfortunately, I do think that we'd be naive not to think that there's a good possibility of maybe another Jet or two ending up on the list tomorrow before they're supposed to go to Detroit. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I really hope not because we would want to have this game. I mean, we need something to talk about here. We can only talk about the Jets practicing and putting guys on the list for so long. As I uh, I joke here, but um, you know, nice to see a lot of games on the schedule tonight. So I may do some pre-scouting watching that super late game, the 9.30 start, uh, the Red Wings at the Sharks. So I'll, to, I'll probably tune Ooh, in a, geez. a little bit, yeah. Red Wings, Red Wings going to have to travel across a couple of you-know-whats That's before true. Uh, hosting That's... a certain team on Thursday, and it'll be the first trip back after a road trip. Yeah, yeah, first came back from a road trip. A lot yeah. of those intangibles, wow. maybe, despite the Jets without half their lineup. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see. The Red Wings, though, I know we're going to get a look at them Thursday. They have some really good uh, young talents. Lucas, Raymond, Moritz Sider. Watch out for those guys. So uh, I know they'll have... Uh, the game is in Detroit, not uh, Winnipeg. So Tyler Bertuzzi will be in the lineup as well, assuming <laughs> assuming health and everything. So uh, I'll have to take a look again, though. It is... It's like every day the lineups change. Like I've set my lineup for fantasy at noon and like five, you know, half hour before the game, you got to tune in because someone could be added to the list. It's, it's, uh, it's weird. And I see a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm just, my fantasy team is so messed. Every, every player is in portal call or injured. Complete disaster. My, yeah. my season is already lost and I've had a good run for the last few years in a league. I'm in with a bunch of guys from the jets office. Not this year. I'm going to be at the bottom and it's uh, it, it's it's tough slogging right now, especially considering the uh, the nightmare scenario of my fantasy football season ending. But no one wants to hear about that. Um, tomorrow, folks, the Michael Remus birthday bash live oh, no. on Winnipeg Sports Talk, um, and in commemoration of his birthday tomorrow, uh, would you please hit the like button? The thumbs up right there <laughs> yeah, for everybody that's do, with do, us. Do that. That's what Michael wants for Christmas. Tell a friend about Winnipeg yeah. Sports Talk. Get him to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, maybe show him how to subscribe to the podcast. Bring him in. Uh, but for right now, hit that thumbs up button. That's a great ad, uh, in advance birthday present for my guy, Michael yeah. Remus. Um, anyway, hey, and thanks very much to Rob Mahoney for... Uh, a little advanced birthday prez for Remo. Happy birthday, Remo, with the $20 super chat. Very, very nice of you, Rob. Uh, definitely appreciate the support. Um, great show today. Lots of hockey talk. Always love having Marat come on with us. 
He was phenomenal. Dennis Bernstein had some hot takes, some great information on what's happening around the National Hockey League and some great insight from J.P. Vijay. Tomorrow on the program, Mike McIntyre and the Winnipeg Jets before. Fingers crossed they head out to Detroit with the latest from practice. And the uh, latest, just the predicament of what the team's dealing with right now, going into this single game on the road, then a few days before a big four-game road trip next week, starting in Washington on Tuesday night. And for you Bomber fans, Jackson Jeffcoat joins us to talk about re-signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, winning a second Grey Cup, and parading the Grey Cup itself around Austin, Texas last week when he signed his deal. Um, great show today. Thanks to everyone that joined us. A huge thank to all of our sponsors, including Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Check out those Buffalo chicken fingers. You will not be disappointed. Um, cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, and of course our friends getting you looking good for 2022 over at F Apparel. For Michael Remus, whose birthday is tomorrow. Hey, come I'm on. Andrew Patterson. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Stay warm, stay safe, and uh, join us tomorrow at 1. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.